We are Science Fiction Redman, a podcast for sci-fi lovers spanning across books, movies, TV shows, and games. This is Season 1, Episode 37, Movie Stargate for February 27th, 2021. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Science Fiction Remnant. Thank you so much for coming back. This means a lot to us. We hope that you find this episode as exciting to listen to as it was for us to create for you. If you like this show and know someone who might like this podcast, please share it. It would help us greatly in growing this channel. You can also follow us on Twitter at Sci-Fi Remnant and share any comments you have about this podcast with your friends and family. And before we continue with the show, here are our sponsors and collaborators. Hello, potential listeners. My name is The Vern, and I'm the host of the Cinema Recall Podcast. On most shows, myself, along with some great guests, we will talk about a movie and then some of the most iconic moments that happened in said movie. On top of that, you'll get bonus shows where I will give you short reviews about new and classic movies, or I'll just rant and rave about something going on in the entertainment industry. So come check us out. We're available on Anchor, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, most other places. Don't forget to follow us on social media. On Twitter, we are at Cinema underscore Recall. And then on Facebook, Instagram, we are Cinema Recall Podcast. Uh, don't forget to email us your ad spots to play on future episodes. That email is cinemarecall at gmail.com. Hope to see you around, and thank you very much for listening. Okay, so this movie that we're doing today is one of the ones that I saw at the theaters. Um, and it was just an amazing, amazing movie. <clears throat> to me, my impression when I first saw this movie is it's bigger than life. So I think I want to say I'm sorry to you for not experiencing that. Um, because you, you saw it recently, yeah, but it wasn't at the theaters. No, it was not at the theaters. So we might have to get the Oculus and, and put it on a, like 100 foot screen. That wouldn't be a bad idea, actually. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's kind of the same experience if you think about it. So we're starting the show and we have so much fun in our Barbarella episode that we have to bring Nikki back. (laughs) <laughs> Nikki, oh, yes. thank you for coming back. <laughs> oh, I love you guys. We really appreciate it. We had so much fun. Yes, and um, absolutely. It, and, and it seems like we always have a lot of fun when, whenever we get together and talk. So Absolutely. I was just, I was just a little bummed that, we, that neither one of us thought, you know, you're so close here in Florida. Let's get up and hook up for drinks. <laughs> that would have been awesome. <laughs> hey, you can ask Robert. I had good resistance for liqueur. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I would have to be the 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 weak one here. No, you're the designated driver. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. gentlemen, I had a whole condo with a guest bedroom, so you know. But that means you'd have to drive all the way to me. Yeah. 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 So, and a wife approval, so <laughs> or she comes and you're sleeping on the couch there. 
<laughs> we have been chaperoned, gentlemen. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so the movie Stargate um, was released in October 28, 1994. And it cost about $50 million to make. You care to guess um, globally, overall, how much that movie made? From 50 million? 55 million. 50? Mm hmm. I will hope to say at least $200 million. You, you care to guess, um, Nikki? It's okay if you don't, you know. Well, it'd be a guess, and this is something I thought about looking up but never did. Um, I'm going to guess a little lower, 150, because if I remember right, it became more of a classic after, or it caught on after more than anything else. This one, and I have to agree with you on that one, but you're going to be surprised with my answer, because this movie has definitely became a classic, mm -hmm. and it's obvious, because we have so many shows that came right after. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, the, this movie, globally, overall, made $196 million. All right, That's I was close. close. Which I was closer. <laughs> and the reason why I said it that well, the, the reason why I said it that way is because typically, for a movie to become a classic, it, it's usually a sleeper. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it creates a, fo a cool following. Exactly, and this one it, it actually, in my opinion, kind of breaks the mold because it made money, and it got the cult you know, status mm -hmm. at the same time, which is not, not many movies. Yeah, that's have true. Done that. usually, usually the movies that get the cold following, they don't have a crazy success story when it comes to the box office. And it's really a simple story, but it's done so very well. Yes. It's cleverly made, to be honest with you. It is. And, and I can tell you this, and I'm going to go ahead and say this, and if you guys heard this, please add to what I'm going to say. Okay. But when this movie was made, they had, you know, like any other movie, the, the, the script, the, the, and everybody was obviously speaking in English for the English audience. Um, it had, uh, when they did the test viewing, it had a real poor um, acceptance. Okay. And the main complaint that people that got, let's say, pulled for this movie was that the movie did not make any sense. So if you follow the dialogue, the movie made no sense. So it was just like, the movie basically sucked. So what they did was they basically redid the movie so all the scenes where people and i don't know if you notice this but all the scenes where people from the other planet were talking they were subtitled okay and yeah. and they made it so you don't understand in whatever native language they are and on the subtitle they fix the dialogue they ran it again <clears throat> These people, I guess it's, I don't know if it was the same group of people or they pulled different people. They saw the movie and it was amazing. And they said, okay, this had such a great acceptance that they ran with it. And this is what, this is the movie that we saw today. 
Oh, okay. So I don't know if you guys were aware of that. I found that very interesting. It feels it feels like a shorter version of the story with, with Blade Runner, mm-hmm. where they had to redo it. Well, it, it was with Blade Runner. I think <clears throat> I think it was backwards because with Blade, this movie, all they did was they they did the dialogue. With Blade yeah. Runner, what they did is they they cut the movie for for um for the movie theaters and that made the movie not make any sense yes so then when they re-released it on dvd they had to add all the parts back and then the movie made sense and okay. it became the cult classic that it is now yeah makes so sense. this one is a little different and, and i'm so curious now and i want to see what was that dialogue i mean how much change did they do have you heard that, Nikki? I was really, I did not know this about the movie. You know, I didn't realize it was based on all, um, like you said, you know, the, uh, you know, text first or however we said it, you know, but it is once you wa- sit down and watch the movie, it depends so much on visual. It is a very visual descriptive because if you don't, if you just read the dialogue, that's the word I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. If you just read the dialogue and uh, I could see reading the script, it wouldn't make sense and I wouldn't be interested in it. But you add the other elements and you're like, oh, because I mean, think of the pyramids and, and the hieroglyphics and, you know, everything else that exposes in the movie. It actually tells a story, too, and it points back to Egyptian history. Yeah. And, you know, I always thought that the Egyptian, I want to say, I don't want to say culture, but maybe history, there's a certain hunger um, on, uh, about that. And, and like, not only, you know, from, from, and that's the reason why we have such a tourist attraction. I mean, not necessarily now with Corona, but like when you go, you want to go visit the pyramids and, and, and some scholars had that hunger about hieroglyphics and you know mm-hmm. trying to decipher and, and the, the, I think this movie came out around the time where there was a lot of hunger for content about that and I think in my opinion that kind of helped the movie and I mean think about it there's always some relatability to some kind of external godly intervention mm-hmm. when it comes to the culture of the Egyptians uh, there's a lot of talking about it in ancient. I think it's called uh, Ancient Aliens. One of my favorite shows that they put in History Channel, where they try to kind of explain an ancient culture and they try to link it up to like aliens and extraterrestrial mm-hmm. beings. And there's a lot, a lot of uh, material linked up to the Egyptians and their culture when it comes to that. And, and I, I have a feeling, and I don't know if this is true or not, but I have a feeling the creator of this story benefited from what at the time and even now um, are, are speculated about how the Egyptians didn't build the pyramid, but instead it was aliens. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever heard that. I mean, I, I kind of don't feel that way. Um, I, it, it is possible that, you know, that technology that, that they had technology to, where they can move the rocks with, like, for example, um, uh, wood, you know, trees, you mm-hmm. know, stuff like that and just pull because it is possible. But you still have people out there that felt 
and back then it was even worse that it wasn't humans they, they, yeah. that couldn't be possibly be made by humans this was done by aliens and i think i like to think that that fueled the story like the creates the creation you know the creative process in this story before it became a movie but well well they touched on that when he that was the question that ran them everybody out of the room they flat out asked him who built the pyramids and he was like well i have no clue yeah and i mean that was the big thing it was like okay well who do you think and they would have left the room no matter what he said you know yes. he, he could have said the you know union 422 down the street is who built it but you know they still would have left the room i hear what they left the room if it said egyptians or aliens or whoever he you know everybody that just proved that simple scene proved we all would like to know yeah who built the pyramid yeah because I the engineering to go into yes. building even today. And you're right about this hitting at the height of Egyptian history hitting again, because I was a senior in high school and God, I'm going to say my age in 96. Well, 94 was about the time I either just got done with world history, Egyptian history in high school in college. I'd taken some too. So um, yeah, there's this, you know, whole Egyptian history picking up and a little bit of aliens too. So they mixed it up a lot here. And I liked that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's, that brings me to, to one question that I saw towards the beginning of the movie, we see uh, Daniel, uh, which he's played by uh, James Spader. Um, I completely forgot that he looked like that. I, I was oh, taken aback by yeah. his, his hair, you know? Um, it's not like he doesn't have hair. It's just that, you know, he has. Not in the head anymore. He has hair. <laughs> well, not in the head. He's changed a lot. Between his shoulders. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, we, we, we see him. Um, Daniel, he's giving a lecture. And, you know, what, what you just spoke about, you know, the, the, who, who built the, um, the pyramids. And the question that I had is, because I don't think they really, unless I'm, I'm not thinking through, I, I saw the movie recently yesterday too, but they don't quite say if he knew, um, if, if he knew it, didn't want to say, because he didn't want to make more a of a full, yeah. I, I mean, did he knew that it was aliens and the reason why i said this is because later on in the movie when he's brought in he seems to be very surprised but they never really explored mm -hmm. if he knew or not you know when the guys were saying like who built the pyramids then aliens and everybody started laughing yeah so it's like well I, I don't i don't know who built the the which is actually a very poor answer for a scholar <laughs> well so. i also think though he was socially awkward mm -hmm. so I, I don't think he didn't know how to play the room. He was actually just being a scholar. And that's ex exactly sometimes when somebody's a really intelligent in a certain area, they don't, he, he wouldn't have known. Oh God. You know, he was just speaking what he believed. Cause he just, every time the room got smaller, he, if you noticed, he would adapt to that person and that person and that person until he was like, Oh, who cares? He had no clue. Cause his question was like, well, is there a great lunch somewhere? I mean, he was oblivious that. Yeah. It was the wrong answer. So I, I don't think it was he didn't want to answer or didn't know how to answer. It was he truly just didn't have the answer. And that was just because some I, I'm very a blunt person. And that's probably if I'd have been like, I don't know. Or <laughs> I probably would have said something smart ass like I said a while ago. It was, oh, 422 Union down the street. But here, how about this point? And then just reflected back and, you know. <laughs> 
And, that's, and then if I would have got that same question again, I'm like, you know, fuck, I don't know. <laughs> what do you think? And then I would have probably reflected back to him. But again, him being a scholar and, you know, knowing this point, because his point was not who built the pyramids. It was about the linguistics and how um, they were around longer than what we thought. The engineering so so into on. it. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So they were changing the subject, basically, and he didn't know how to bring it back. So he just Correct. said he lost that. the room. But you know, another thing too that I saw is like it, it was a it was a little sad in in a way. And let me explain yeah. this. Because <clears throat> he's a scholar. He's obviously very, extremely intelligent on his topic. And he's so narrow vision into what he's researching. And I understand partly because of the hunger. You know, the hunger for knowledge. He has to know. He has to discover. He, he wants to share what he has discovered up to this point. So in doing so, he's not looking outside, not outside the box, but he's not having a wide look around. He's very narrow in what he's doing. So not only did he, did he lose his job, but he, he lost his home and... Although they didn't explain, I like to think that he never got a girlfriend or wife or whatever because someone that is very typical scholar, narrow, <laughs> well, not necessarily, but someone I'm, kind I'm, of an Isaac Newton situation. Someone that is very narrow <laughs> in what they're doing, they don't they don't see if someone might be flirting with them or whatever. So, so why I said is 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 sad is because uh, people like that need a support system. And it's obvious he did not have that system. Yeah, he didn't have that friend to go, hey. But see, that's that you just brought up a good point. I mean, with the flirting and things like that, as much as I can easily flirt, I never can tell when someone's flirting with me because I can talk sex, obviously, is a very educated subject and, and things of more on a psychological and, you know, and an educational level. Whereas someone, you know, Daniel might come to me and really actually asking to flirt with me and I would be, it would be way over my head and I would need you to go, Hey, he's trying to ask you out on a date and drink. Oh, but that <laughs> honestly to God, that is me. So yeah, I, I, and I do have a friend that goes, Hey, they're hitting on you. Oh, okay. On the other hand, Daniel could have been submitting, you know, his stories to in bed with Nikki. <laughs> and we would never know. Well, he, he, he could be. He did ask me if I was submissive earlier, so, you know. <laughs> I think he was feeling me out. <laughs> I don't know. He'll tell me later. <laughs> so, you know, that that's the reason why I said it was a little sad. I mean... It's kind of, if you think about it, it's not out of the reality. Usually when somebody supersedes on some kind of area on their lives, mm -hmm. uh, when, it to, when it comes to an uh, intellectual par part of it, they behave more like a savant. So if you mm -hmm. think about it, it kind of blocks a little bit their social faculties mm -hmm. uh, when they interact with the world. That's what I use Isaac Newton as an example. He's a perfect example. The guy was one of the most brilliant humans that ever be. He invented calculus. Yeah. But when it comes to social skills, he was completely zero there. You yeah. know? Yeah. So so Very it's it's so. just something to, to come to think. Another thing that you brought up when you were talking about like who made the pyramids 
it's kind of ambiguous to try to find out because if you think about it, every time that a new pharaoh uh, was born, they started building the pyramids because there's one for each of them. These are mm -hmm. just tombs. Mm -hmm. So if you think about it, they started building them from the beginning of their lives. And these things are being built up for 60, 70, 80 years. Yeah. I mean, uh, between all the things that I've learned and read about them, uh, one, of the, one single block of the pyramid, we're talking about 5,000 kilograms. Yes. And you have a lot of slaves rolling that thing around. So, of course, it takes 60, 70 years. There's a lot of intricacies in, into the pyramids, architecture and electricity, engineering. I mean, there was electricity. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. I don't know if you know. I don't know if you knew, Nikki, but underneath where the pyramids are, there's actually hollow spaces mm -hmm. in the ground that actually pile up water. On the tip of the pyramids, they actually had a tip made out of copper, I think that would actually make a yes. uh, kind of magnetism so where there were chances for thunders it will bring out the thunders to the tip of the pyramid and that will create a magnetism a mm -hmm. all the way through the pyramid that actually will flush the water into the pyramid and now you know why i chose this movie <laughs> i am huge into egyptian history along with pirate history but this is my little geek moment here so yeah so now for now know. on, we'll call you Cleopatra. Ah, <laughs> did you catch the references to my sexy queen? <laughs> so yeah, there were there were big, big for them hitting on the alien moments here, or trying to. They walked that line very well with this movie of possibly aliens. But here's some Egyptian history with hieroglyphics. Yeah. Here's more aliens. Hey, look at the hieroglyphics. Look at the pyramids. Look at all the stuff. If you think of everything, the engineering that they filmed around and everything else and they showed, they really did a good balance of what do you think? Even having you question your own going, you know, and having his spaceship, which we haven't touched at, is a pyramid mm -hmm. that comes down from who knows where. Yeah. At, you know, Georgia, for all we know. And <laughs> just a visit. So, yeah. But uh, it just, it's a really great way to, to bring them both together and still make the audience go, where's this going? Is it really going to pull what we learned in school and in college about Egyptian history? Uh, or is it going to pull from, go the alien, you know, angle with, you know, like all science fiction would do right here? Mm -hmm. and, and I mean, there's way too many intricacies about ancient uh, structures that we would not end today. I actually got to experience this myself. When I went to Mexico, mm -hmm. I went to watch the pyramids in Mexico, the Chichen Itzas. Mm -hmm. And mm. it's amazing. You're standing you're standing in front of this giant pyramid. And literally they actually make you do it. Like you go and you start clapping in unison in front of the pyramid. The pyramid echoes back. No. The clap and this pyramid is not in a closed space. It's in an open, flat piece of land with nothing around it. So it's like it was built for acoustic perfectly, and it's made out of rocks. Yeah, and you're like, how did they? How did they manage this? And also the <laughs> the, the, the mystic that is involved with the shape. Yes, you know of of the structures, um, which also brings another mystic. Uh, you know thought on how you know 
and structure and object could resemble so close a structure in Central America. And how the pyramids are selected places that actually do have stronger magnetism in the whole peninsula where they're located. Yeah. I don't know if you knew that too. So it's like so many things and like they don't have any of these tools to actually find out any of these. So it always begged the question, what intervention there was <laughs> that brought up all of these things that are just pure causality? Like, yeah, this is just luck of chance. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, there's this. There's a lot of questions there. Um, then the next thing that we see in this movie is um, a very fit Kurt Russell. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not a Kurt Russell fan, but this movie sold me. But you gotta say he's he he, he's he a good honky piece of beef hair. in there, right? Yeah, honky <laughs> beef of beef, yeah. <laughs> and we we kind of get a little bit of his backstory. So um, after Daniel got re- recruited by um, I, I forgot her name that that I like to think she was the head of the research. Um, Catherine Lanford, which actually we we see as a young girl at the beginning of the movie back in 1920 when they discover the uh, the artifact mm-hmm. um, and how she got a hold of the, this necklace with the eye of Ra on. She we meet her as as a um, older person. Um, she was actually looking at Daniels while he was doing his, his speech. Um, and apparently he was waiting, she was waiting outside with what appears to be military personnel. And she basically offers Daniels the, the job of, um, which she was obviously very vague. Um, as to like, okay, it's just a translating job. You know, you're gonna be just translating, you know, Egyptian. And and she plays onto his his uh weakness at the time, which is the fact that he, he lost his grant, technically his job, he lost his apartment. So, you know, this is his chance to prove that he was right. Mm-hmm. And after this, we see what appears to be similar officers appears to be the same car too, uh, or a similar car uh, going to um, Kurt Russell's his Colonel um, Jack O'Neill, and this one also was a little heartbreaking. Eventually, after I discover what really happened, but there they go into the house. They go into the room where um, uh, uh, Colonel O'Neill was and you can tell he's uh, he's looking at pictures of a kid in a baseball uniform with a gun on his hand and as soon as the officers come in um, he hides the gun and he's being informed that he's being reactivated into active duty Um, later we find out that his son actually died with that gun it Ooh. was it was an accident 
and he killed himself. So that I remember, and I don't know if you agree with this, uh, Nikki. The first time that I saw this movie, that brought a question to me. It's like, why would they reactivate him? Because it's obviously his suicidal. And that is a very hard thing, a very hard thing to, to, to think about that your kid died and in his mind, it was because of him. Yeah. Because he wasn't careful enough. So he's blaming himself for his son's death. Why would they bring someone suicidal into this mission? I'm wondering if that had to, because of something in his background and which is a little bit also later something is revealed later in the movie mm -hmm. but and we'll talk about that later but i'm wondering if you know that he was just pushed, put on medical leave and he's been on medical leave when they reactivated him i wonder if someone behind the scenes excuse me fought for him and said he needs this something because wonder wonder if he was one of the ones on the list pulled and they were like, yeah, but he's on medical leave. We don't know. But someone said, you know, he really needs this. Plus, he's the best. Yes. Yes. He'll get his head in the game if we bring him in. That's what he's good about, having the head in the game. And what we learn later in the movie is that he's offered a chance to, you know, destroy the object. So, or whatever. We don't know if it's a suicide. It doesn't really reveal that or whatever. But I think that's how they brought him in, but it doesn't explain why he was good for that job. Yeah. I always thought about that. I mean, it's obvious that he is good because we would have heard that he was, he, he might've been discharged without honors or whatever, but he was still a coronel and he was just home and mm -hmm. he was deactivated, the active member of the, the military. So I always thought about that, you know, obviously, He's, he must be the best of the best. Yeah. And I think it all comes down to that, really, because, I mean, it would have been tough, tough to think that it's just that they didn't have any better option. Mm -hmm. I think that it, it all just boils up to how good he is. Yeah. So regardless of the flaws or of the uh, counterparts of why not to, he outweighs by his quality of work. Yeah. Why is him and not somebody else? That's what I like to see everywhere, which we don't see. To have people go into a specific job or task based on their abilities. Yeah. And, and, and it's sad. For, I mean, it could be for X or Y reason. It could be the, the, the person who's looking for that task to be done. I mean, it could be a job, could be whatever. Um, doesn't have the knowledge and enough knowledge to to prove mm -hmm. and get the right person for the job or maybe they're they thought it was the right person and it, but you know it it's it's uh, this one thing that i I, would, I wish and we only see this in movies that i wish it, it happens everywhere you yeah, know? you yeah. wish you there was more of, hey, so-and-so can do that job. They're really good and, you know, so forth. You don't really see that anymore. And that's, you know, um, you don't hear where I push a lot of my friends is, is, as I tell people, there's people there's people that went to college and have the paper, which is great. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Kudos to you. I'm glad you got that. But there's some people like myself that are just shy of that paper but chose, had to, or chose life. 
and mm-hmm. real life and learned on the fly, taught ourselves, but have the experience. And me and being older, and I still believe this is good in most cases, not for doctors and lawyers, of course, but most cases and jobs, if you can prove it, and you may have to do a year Mm -hmm. uh, or six months of proving at a lower rate. But that's the question you have to ask yourself. Am I willing to prove my knowledge for so long and possibly work hard enough that I'm brought up to what a four-year engineer or a 12-year whoever, whatever, Mm -hmm. just to prove absolutely your answer should be. Yeah. Because sometimes you have to do that legwork. And sometimes you feel it's all about the popularity. Yeah. It's it's kind of like you're back in high school and see how many people you convince that you can do the job instead of convincing people that you can do the job because you can do the job. No, and I mean, I, th- I think that another thing is that when you have a character that regardless of their past, they are good at what they do, it kind of creates a redemptive element into the character building of the person you're watching uh, developing throughout the movie. Yeah. So it's like, hey, he has his fall down. We all do, actually. So it even creates a relatability between the audience and a character. Because it's like, okay, he's, this guy screwed up so bad and he can get back on his feet. Anybody can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, he definitely was pulled for the, even though it doesn't seem like it, mm-hmm. he definitely by the end was, and I don't even know if I felt good, had that, you know, feel good part of it. It was good to see him come out of it. But, you know, he definitely was brought on to have that, that, that was his story, to have that feel good ending right there mm-hmm. yeah that was his part of closure so the, the next scene we, we we're seeing all these pieces of the puzzle come together in the building now daniel is coming in to this building and kurt russell Colonel o'neill is coming into the building and um we see how daniel is brought in and and of course, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm skipping a bunch of parts here, but one of the parts that I find not only funny, but really cool to see is when he's, he's brought in to this uh, blackboard mm-hmm. uh, full of, you know, Egyptian hieroglyphics. And there's parts, it, it looks like only, you know, maybe a third or maybe less than a third uh, of the uh, inscriptions were translated, and he's offered an opportunity to go ahead and and look at that. And he's just he he took one eye at this, and he I mean just one glance, and he already said like who 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 did this? And one of the guys that was there was like uh, I did, it kind of like uh, on a defensive form, and he started deleting and adding and deleting and adding. And it's just like and and. Right there, although it was a little funny for me, it it shows you why they picked him. And in in a matter of what minutes, Mm -hmm. he was able to write something that they couldn't write in two years. (laughs) And I I I don't know. I thought that was um, that was just amazing for me to see. Well, again, and it showed his. Um, 
social skills. None. Absolutely not. Because he, he just went in and went into, like he, like he said, tunnel vision of, oh, well, it's this, da, 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 da. and he, he had, he didn't go, hey, you know, may I? Yeah. Like, most of us would walk and say, well, do you mind? There's some, there's a, I would like to take a track crack at this. There's a couple things I see different. Nope. He just grabbed a, you know, not crayon, <laughs> chalk, <laughs> and just started, you know, and he started mumbling to himself. And then he started like he was up at the podium going just, you know, educating them and saying, this is a, who did this? And like, but you know, he doesn't hear the answer. He keeps rambling. And he was ignoring the guy. The guy was saying, what are are you doing? (laughs) I don't think it was more ignoring. He was just like, you know, who did this? And he just, I mean, he didn't even hear him. He had no clue. He was in the room. He was lasered in and zoned in like, Oh, it's this, it's Stargate. And Stargate. He was definitely at home, but when it came to social skills and trying to interact with them, no. But if he could talk the product, absolutely. Again, showing lack of social skills for him. <laughs> and and you, can, you, you, you can't help but feel bad for the poor guy. You know, he's like, hey, what are you doing? Or did, you know, he spent two years doing, and were they like, what, four words? Yeah. About four words in there, and he just filled them up, deleted a couple that he did, and completely ignoring him. So. Yeah, and you brought a good point. I mean, I never thought about it, but if I would probably be that person, I would probably ask. I was like, you know, you mind if I, you know, take a crack? Can I delete this? You know, no, no, he's just <laughs> right there. <laughs> <laughs> like, no yeah. questions asked. He just goes there. Did you have the same impression that I did um, watching that scene? I don't know. I just, it just... It's one of those scenes, you know, in a movie when you watch it, there's always that scene that it's just like. Most definitely. It, it almost feels like he was an academic badass. I don't know. Oh, if that... yeah. No, nobody in that room besides the woman. Yeah. I don't think um, with the necklace. I don't think that could stand toe to toe with him. She knew. She knew. And so, it, it was very apparent because I mean she and I like to think this I mean the, the she was there with her dad in the okay, 1920s. Okay, that's my question and I'm glad you brought it up because I'm like god I don't want to go all the way back to the was the older man her dad or was it the younger man next to him? You know, that's a very good question. I uh, <laughs> Because I'm like, the dude's 80. She's probably between 8 and 13. Uh, we have a lot of Anna Cole Smith going on here somewhere, <laughs> I think. So, or Benjamin Burton. I, I don't know. But I was just like... Um, I want to yeah. say, because I had the same thought, too. Although the one very apparent, I think I, 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 I am with you in here that I thought it was a younger, the younger one of the two. But it, it wasn't... And even when, even when her name was called out, which you imagine it would be the dad, they never showed the face of the person calling mm-hmm. her. So you, you never even get that. Uh, no. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, was, <laughs> I was thinking the same thing, too. I mean, were you... Um, I mean, I know some parts don't really call you, the certain parts. Apparently, we got called out by the same part. But did you notice that part? I mean, did he call you or did you just completely? What I, is it? I think that I think that he went over me really. Yeah. It didn't hit like a critical point on the story. Yeah, and and, and I noticed that because sometimes in some of the episodes that we record, there's a scene that calls you out and it yeah. doesn't call me. 
Yeah, it's true. So I, that's why I ask, because I want to, you know, I just want to make sure. But um, yeah, so going back to the, the complete badass, I mean, if, for me, that scene when he's just doing all this in the blackboard, it, it, it's kind of like the equivalent of seeing, you know, an action star just killing 20 people. You know, I don't know if that makes any sense, but it's, do you, do you understand what I'm yeah, no, I, I see what you're going with that. But with with him and his knowledge of everything, absolutely. So he's um, you know, he's he, at this point he's uh, he's he knows. Well, I guess we learned the name of the movie, Stargate. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> it was going to be a stairway to heaven. <laughs> <laughs> well, Stargate kind of behaves like that. <laughs> Zeppelin would approve of that song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um <clears throat> there um this is basically where and I'm trying to remember um is this when Kirk Russell takes over? Right after he says Stargate, he he's watching him and he comes in the room and he basically shuts it all down and says no more information to unmilitary people and that also means her yeah that means everything and she's like wait i thought we had complete autonomy what you know or control of the situation and he's like plans change and he was just as matter of fact as that plans change very very like and and you know i i guess i miss that kind of acting from from kurt russell uh, we kind of get to see that in Soldier. You remember Soldier, Giancarlos? Soldier, yeah, of course, Todd. Todd. Who, who doesn't like that movie? <laughs> I, I kind of, I mean, you don't get to see that often, him, but I think he does such a great job in that type of character. Oh, man, I love that movie. I, I don't know what is it to him, but like he has that military character fits well into him. And yet he's a great actor because you can see him as Santa Claus in that that. Uh, Netflix movie. Didn't he have a movie with Keanu Reeves, I think, that they do like bank heists too? They use like president's masks? I th- it's a movie with Keanu Reeves. I th- I'm not sh- Yeah, I think so. They jump out of a with, plane. They're surfing. Um, yes. Oh, God. Point Break. Yes. How- was that him? Oh, wow. Of course. Was it? I think it was Kirk Russell. Let me see. Let me see. But you know, uh, everybody's yelling us on the podcast, right? <laughs> well, that's the thing that I like no, about uh, it. Wasn't because I just looked it up. It was Patrick Swayze. Patrick Swayze. Oh, yeah, okay. He's, he's, he, I always get them confused yeah, too. So me too. So don't worry about it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Definitely. But uh, yeah, that's one of the one of the cool things about you know our podcast is we're here for the conversation. Mm-hmm. You know. So I, I really enjoy this. And, and that's the whole, the, the whole point that I want to bring, up, bring across is when you're listening to a podcast is you're, you're joining our conversation. This and is we- not Discovery Channel Kids. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what they did really good about James Sater? I was just thinking about this, how we we're talking about how geeky he was and knowledgeable and how you can tell he probably didn't leave indoors. He was very pasty white. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. how that man didn't how that man didn't fry when they were out in the desert i will never know yeah <laughs> and, and that was very believable for someone that is 
you know, what he's claiming to be, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Someone like that would be always in his room or in the uh, university and never going outside. But mm-hmm. anybody that's met James Spader now or saw him now on TV and the roles he's played will never believe this role. Yeah. Whereas you and I have watched him grow into that role. And it, the, the roles he plays now is very different oh, yes. than these roles. Oh, yeah. That is true. But the hair. The hair. <laughs> I loved the hair. He very had much of a very cute little puppy dog scholar boy that I wanted to mess up and teach and play dirty. So. <laughs> have you seen how he looks like now, Nikki? Yeah, no. He, <laughs> he's always, even in the, this role, you can tell there's more sexually about him than what. And I go back to Secretary, and I know that's a totally different movie, and, and I've never seen it. Oh, yeah, However, Cinema Recall did uh, an episode on that. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I know he gave me his list of movies. I'm on that one, too, coming up. But he gave me a list of movies, and that was on it, so I couldn't do that one, which is fine. Um, but. You know, seeing that role, and I'm sure you followed the conversation where I'm talking to you and him, where that role for him, to me, was when you watch some an actor play a role so easily like that, to me, it shows that you're very close to the personality. And I've always felt James Spader had a little kink in him. So I'm really thinking that's close to a little bit of him. Of who he is has a little, in his little closet, his sexual closet. Let me ask you I something. Think, Have you watched The Office ever? Like, like The Office, Office, like yes. the TV show. Yes. yes, I have. He is in The Office. Yeah, I've seen that, and, and he, he's totally he, sexual uh, question mark all over the show. <laughs> so maybe you have very, a point there, Nikki. Yes. <laughs> And, and, and the funny thing is that I did not remember it for Stargate because I just watched it recently. So I didn't know like any previous jobs of him. So this was the first time that I got to see him. So when I saw him with all that hair on his head. Well, if you, if you watch him and don't look it up, you never guess. Yeah. Because he looks so different. So oh, different. Yeah. Another good show you'll see him in is Boston Legal. Boston Legal? It's an older show from the early 2000s, I Okay. Yeah, um, it was. It had um, Star Trek guy. The guy, um, I know your listeners are yelling at me. I am so sorry. <laughs> I usually flirt with gentlemen that know this answer. He played in Star Trek. Um, the Captain Kirk. Captain Kirk. Oh, okay. Um, had him in it. Okay. Yeah. It was very good. How also had um, um, the see your your listeners are yelling at me. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. <laughs> also had um, a Murphy Brown chick in it. I think. You know, I have IMDb very for here. I really yeah. can look this stuff up. And you are, at least you got the names. I don't even yeah. get that. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just going through because most of the stuff I haven't watched, uh, except for, you know, Star Trek, obviously. But yeah, yeah. Um, and, and did Candace you know? Bergen. Oh, it. yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, did you know that um, James Spader admitted that he took this role for the money? No shame. <laughs> no shame. Well, I think he needed the money. I think there was a, a big space between roles there. Um, he he I, thought, he actually thought the script was awful. Oh. 
But he but said, if you think about it, and you look, you look at his work further down his career, and the personality plays that he does, this character has nothing to do with it. Yeah. You know, I'm looking at his his uh, IMDb thingamajiggy list here, mm-hmm. and there's stuff I I like in '89. He did Sex Lies and Videotape, and then the Rachel Papers. Then Bad Influence, that's 90. White Palace, which is well-known. I've never seen it, 90. And then True Colors, Storyville, Bob Roberts, Music of Chance, Dream Lover. Then The Wolf, he was on Frasier as a voice. And then Stargate. So there's a lot between White Palace and Stargate that yeah. I that I've never heard. Not that I'm a movie person and we could probably ask, you know, some of our movie friends, but uh, you know, again, it sounds like there's a lot of smaller roles, smaller movies and he needed this, you know, it sounds Mm -hmm. like very well. He may have needed this paycheck. Yeah. I don't know. Just kind of guessing or just to get his name out there again. No, he he actually did say it. He didn't like the script at all. And normally he would have just rejected it, but he needed the money. Honestly, if I'm getting offered a couple of million dollars, I'll do the script even if it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> but you know that 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 brings a question because I mean you could tell he's a good actor. Yeah. Um, because I mean, at least for me, if I don't believe in a product, I will not be able to sell it, no matter how good I am at, at a salesperson, mm-hmm. uh, right. which I'm not. But regardless, he's he has to be a great actor because he 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 had his role was amazing. Well, if you think he pulled off, I mean, to me, and of course, again, I'm not a big movie buffer, you know, and I know I'm going to get yelled at by your listeners. But if you go back to say, okay, say this was his last big thing he's known for that early on in the 90s. Until then, that's 94. This is 94. So if you go all the way into what I would consider decent roles, the practice from 2003 to 2004 for a year. So that's 94. That's like 10 or nine years. And then um, he was on Boston legal from 2004 to 2008. So he left practice to go to Boston legal. So there's, there's what, you know, what um, five good years right there. Yeah. Well, then yeah. he doesn't. Ha- and then from 2008, he had, he did shorts, What I don't know what that is. And then that was 2009. He had two years of, According to IMDb, nothing. So he took a break, vacation in Mexico with his own yacht or whatever. And then he did the office for one year. And because he just, to me, he didn't fit in the office. I, I felt like it was really struggling at that point. And that's 2011, 2012. Well, then he left there and he was in Lincoln, which we all know, which I think is a small role. And then um, he was in Homesman, uh, whatever that was, um, in 2014. Then he was in the Avengers. He played Ultron. Yeah, that was very surprising to me. And then he's Ultron. been on the blacklist since 2013 to till now. And the blacklist is completely. I would say, if any role from what I know of the blacklist, it's close to is probably the secretary as that guy. From what I get, the feel of the two, you know, maybe the same personalities. Just from what I kind of understand, have that little bit of a darkness to him. Yeah. That is true. So it that goes to say, is that part of him? And I, I, I've heard rumors that he's a dick. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I'm sure he has one. I mean, mine. I don't know. I've never checked. He's never called me back. But, 
<laughs> what I'm saying is, is you know, it just seems like those two characters are very close. Could it be that part of his personality a little bit? I mean, we all have that one side of us that we could sell very well, like you said. I wonder if that's his side. And that's because it seems like the biggest roles he's known for, except for this, that's type of personality he sells. And 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 you wonder because um, I have heard um, on uh, interviews from um, different actors that whenever they pick a role and they're researching the role to be able to become that character, they draw on because you don't have anything else to draw on from mm-hmm. personal, um, ex, you know, your your personal experience, your 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 inner self. Mm-hmm. So, so part of the role, and and I like to think that. Those actors that that sell one hundred percent the character are those that are able to tune in into that 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 part of them that is right. close to the character and amplify yeah. it to it. So you know it, you have a point there as to you know big question is like it, we definitely know that that's a part of him, but I mean it, it seems like it might be a big part of him. Mm-hmm. I agree. So, going back to the movie, this um, they at this point, Kirk Russell takes over, um, which you know the uh, Catherine, I believe, was mm-hmm. questioning why, um, because she was told she she would have complete autonomy, and that line that he says is, is very foreshadowing okay where he says you know you know like she she asks us like why are you here i mean this is a, a a scientific research you know why do we need military you know why you're here it's like i'm here in case you succeed and that was just at the time when i watch it it's like this this line has importance in the movie. This is the very first time that I saw this in the theaters. It, it, but it brings a connotation of what could really means that you succeed at something. You kind of see what was going, kind of like something is going is going to happen. Yeah, but like, and what I mean is that you succeed at something doesn't necessarily mean that it's good. You know. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, it's it's a very smart choice of words. Well, and not only that, it points back to like we said, why did they choose Kurt Russell? And that line right there shows that he was brought on because he's the man for the job. Yeah, most definitely. And that's the funny thing, even though that Robert just shared that he like uh, the actor felt like the the movie was not well written or anything. He did a magnificent job all throughout. Yeah, he, 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 he said it's just, it's a job, and that's his job, and he's going to do the best he can. Mm-hmm. Great delivery. So it's just, yeah, yeah, that's what good actors do. Um, so the next scene that we, we see is they're showing him, I'm trying to remember the order, but they're showing him the these hieroglyphics um, from the stone and he's trying to de- he's trying to decipher okay 
uh, based on you know he's 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 obviously he's showing his intelligence again um, because he's showing you know he's telling them okay this is not what you thought it was and and he's telling he's actually discovering that those are coordinates mm-hmm. but there was a missing part there was a missing what piece they, of the puzzle what i like to call the seventh uh um, the sev- there were i think seven different symbols and there was one symbol missing from stargate right yeah well, the thing is, they, he couldn't figure out what the symbols were or how they became. And remember, he's yeah. in there. He's been studying for, for two weeks now because it says two weeks. Mm-hmm. And he's, ma- he's listening to his audio notes and he runs out of coffee. Because we all get great ideas when we run out of coffee. I don't know why. but <laughs> And he leaves. And then the, and the other geeky guy with the really thick glasses goes, hey, hey, hey. Even though he's been two weeks in this room and he's like never saw him. Ha ha. He has to show his badge. And as he's filling the coffee thing up, he turns around to leave, and the guy's reading the paper. On the back of this paper, facing, um, you know, him, he sees that there's like a astrology, stars. Yeah, const- uh, kind of like constellation. a constellation. Yeah. yeah. Yes, because it was Orion. Mm-hmm. And that's how he comes up. Well, these aren't hieroglyphics, you know, because he couldn't find them anywhere, he, you know, because he checked all these other languages and things like that. He just wasn't finding it. They were actually, like you said, it was it was constellations. So it it was a map. That's how they came up with the map to this other thing. They just didn't know what the seven symbol was. Hmm. So it it this is where another part, you know, that shows he's basically a badass came in. Um, he's getting ready to show, um. Or actually, divulge that he discovered what the seventh symbol was, and I'm not sure if he knew that all these generals were called in to listen to to him. I mean, were they always there? That's a question that I, you know, I always wondered. Um, but he goes into this room, and there's there's multiple generals sitting at the table. Yeah, he's like, I didn't make enough prints for everybody to share. <laughs> Such a geeky answer. Uh, but that would have been my answer, too. I've been like, well, I didn't get a head count, so you guys are just going to have to hold hands and share. Caring is caring. <laughs> that would have been my answer. And, you know, and again, you got a point. I mean, it shows that he's so tunnel vision, too, because, I mean, wouldn't you normally be like, Especially, I like to think he wasn't informed that they were there. Uh, I mean, I, I'm trying to think back when you know about the movie, and I don't think there's a there was any indication that I can remember where no, he was I told. Wondered, yeah, I'm thinking this was a Kurt Russell move, where you know, behind the scenes, a military kind of thing. And remember, he's just there for you know scientific purposes and making. If he, Kurt Russell was there to see if they succeeded, if they or if they succeeded, they hadn't succeeded at that point, so mm-hmm. they didn't need a round table. Now they've come that far. So far they've succeeded. So now what? You have to bring in all the other head bigwigs, which I still think because he at the end he ends up looking back at Kurt Russell, you know, yeah. saying, "Okay, show him," you know. So there you go. It was one step closer. All right, the guys again had to prove he knows his stuff. Yeah. 
you know, that kind of thing. But I think these guys were brought in going, okay, we're about to break something. Cause they, you know, I don't know, they could have been eating at Hardee's and had grabbed a Uber or whatever down to the place. But, you know, I don't think they were there like Kurt Russell was. And, and you know, I can't help to think, but as I watched that, that scene, and I don't know if, if you, Giancarlos, have the same, or you, Nikki, have the same thought, but uh, reading the room, based from the generals and the table's perspective, I got the feeling that they were calling bullshit. Just based on you feel that way, yeah. You know, like, like, like they were looking at him as like, there's no way, you know. And, and I think that's yeah. where the comment came in when he said, "Okay, you did this. You did in two weeks what these people. What is it? Four, no, fourteen days. You did in fourteen days what these two people could not do in two years." And and that's just looking at the way they're looking at him after that, and it's just like I, I felt like they were thinking, "Nah, this guy hasn't discovered anything. This is just all bullshit." But, well, I think I I would have felt the same way though. But again, you know, he proved it. You know, he's oh, yes. like, "Here's my proof." Yeah, yeah, true. And, and that's when I mean, everybody in the table. It's kind of funny too. It's such a military move when you see Kurt Russell. He's leaning on this wall, you know, turning on a cigarette, looking at everything's going on, like. It's not my thing. Mm-hmm. You know, like the, the big hunches are at the table. They're deciding, I'll just do whatever they want me to He's do. just completely unbroken by you there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was, that was, I have to admit, that was a little badass. But, <laughs> you know, but that's, that's the scene where um, he's taken aback because he looks at Kurt Russell and he says, show them, you know. And that's when they brought, they, they bring this, um, apparently it was a, some sort of, cover and they were covering a, a glass window that was overlooking this i like to call pit where okay. they have the the stargate in there and he's looking at it and he's like whoa you know it, it's kind of like a, a, a kind of like a wow moment for him a wow moment for him but i didn't think it was as big as a wow moment as seeing the stone I thought he was, I thought it was a little underdone, but maybe he was just overwhelmed. I think maybe I would be too, but I, you know I would be like, I want to be down there touching it. I'm like, why isn't he going, Ooh, I want to go touch. Cause that would be me. I'm, I'd be like, Oh, I got to touch this thing. I, I, you know, I, I just thought it was very underwhelming how he's just like, but then again, you have a something point. like that. You, yeah. you, you do have a point because I mean, knowing that he's so tunnel vision and he, how he's been for 14 days and you know not meeting anyone and just reading and calculating um you we're only humans so i like to think that he was drained yeah it could happen yeah it could happen they have a whole life of their own going on that we don't know you know so most definitely i don't know but i think something like that would would snap me out of it Kind of like like you're sleepy and then you gold out. Oh wait, maybe you're in Florida. Never mind. It's for the rest of us listeners out here. When you go and you're sleepy and you're nice and warm, but you go out and you hit that cold air, and it's like oh, it it wakes you up. Yeah. Yep. Oh, that's that's a good point. I'm, I'm kind of on undecided because I mean, what is the level of tiredness? Okay. That you have to reach 
before something is not excited anymore. It, although it could be something really exciting. I, I don't know. And, and will, well, will, two, will two weeks make it? Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm just, my head is, I'm just thinking. <laughs> but then again, he could just be going, oh my God, and, and not have any words. Yeah, yeah. So another thing in that scene that uh, I thought it was really cool is how they, he showed the seven symbol and the other guy says, well, well, that's not anywhere near the device. That was prior um, to them showing them the, the, the device or the Stargate. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> how he's like right on the fly as, after he goes down um, into the, I like to call the control room where they have all the computers. And he kind of grabs a, was it a permanent marker? <laughs> okay. Oh, I know. I was like, oh, God, that's a Sharpie. But, you know, then again, you know, he has tunnel vision. Just tunnel vision <laughs> on his social skills of like, no caring in the world. It's not my TV. <laughs> no, well, the government's paying. You know, I don't even think he had that thought. I think no. he was so wrapped up and laser focused on, oh, if you do this, 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 and you know, and not thinking. He just wasn't thinking. Yeah, yeah. So he he showed him, you know what that he wrote right on it, and it's like that's the symbol, and that's when everybody said, okay, just basically punch it. Let's see what happens. And I mean, at that point, I mean, at that point, really. You know, come on. I mean, I would. I'd be like, let's just see. I mean, it's been two years. You know, so he's been right about everything else. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, you know that brings me, and that's going to bring, that's going to bring me to another question that I had. That it kind of bothers me, and I don't know if Jan Carlos is going to agree with me or not. When, um, so they 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 put in all the the symbols, and mm-hmm. the Stargate is turned on, and um, they send. A, uh, a probe mm-hmm. over and it, it relayed the uh, images from the other gate so they can see the symbols on the other side and um, they noticed that the symbols were different and I, I don't know what that what they meant if it was like different and a different position but regardless they were completely different okay and they I guess the general decided at that point, well, we can't send anybody because, you know, you, you wouldn't be able to come back. You need to be able to know what is the sequence on the other end so you can bring, you know, whoever goes, come back. And, you know, and of course, I'm, I'm, I'm shorting this whole thing out it, to the point where he, Daniel, says, oh, I can do it. And I'm like, for some reason, <laughs> I, I don't know why. And, and, you know, let me know if you think what I'm thinking or you, Nikki. But he's such a smart person. With it, but then again, it, it, might be, it must be my, my planning side coming out. Because okay. mm-hmm. I like to, you know, have safe, you know. I, I like to be safe before I do any move. But... He's like, yeah, let's let's do it. It's like, wouldn't he, wouldn't it be better for him to figure it out 
while he's in this side before he goes to through the gate and, and, and tries to assemble it on the other end. But again, we, we just said it. He doesn't think like that. He's more scholar thinking. <sighs> so they asked, he said, I could do it. He didn't mm-hmm. say that, you know, like he, like the later scene, he's like, I just assumed that everything was going to be here like this. That's where, you know, the logical side, the real life side of us, like you and I, who I know, like me, I have to have plan A, B, C, D, and E. <laughs> And I just do. I like to have them all laid out and planned. I probably still would have said the same thing. And then, but I, I would have made the comment as long as everything is there or the other symbols can be easily found, yeah, I could get us back. He did not say that. He wasn't thinking that, but because he was thinking the question was at, you know, said, he goes, well, he, you know, he said, um, how do you put it? You know, you don't have a way to get you back. You don't have the, the whatever. He's like, yeah, I can get you back. So it wasn't if everything was there. It was more, he read it as a a logical questions of, could you do it? Well, yeah, he could do it. He just proved he could do it. But, you know, he didn't take into the reality of the situation that, you know, everything's going to be laid out. There's a bunch of scientists laying around. Everything's given to him, you know. Yeah. The the full scenario wasn't given out. He was just, he was basically pretty much asked in, in a roundabout way and forcing him to kind of say, well, yeah, I can do it. Cause he could. And he did. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I don't know. It's just one of those things. It's like, you know, he's doing all this by the book. He's like, couldn't he just take an extra two weeks to do the same thing he did in two weeks and figure, but, you know, I mean, obviously that's not how the movie played out, but it, in my head, it was just kind of like odd. I, it just, I was just like taken aback at that reaction that to me was that, oh, well, let me rephrase that. I don't think would be, he, he he's based on what I've seen before, his normal reaction to things. But then again, this is a very, um, you know, a very like extreme scenario. And under that circumstances, will I be saying the same thing? But here's the thing. He also didn't think about how to keep his grant, how to keep his apartment, pay his bills, have a car, mm-hmm. have housing, you know, yada, yada. He didn't have the ability to think of those things ahead of time. He was so concentrated on focusing on his, you know, his education and getting this information out there. Everything else just fell behind. It was, it didn't matter to him. He was so in the moment on the smaller details that he forgot about everything else around it. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think that's, it goes back to the situation again. He focused on the small detail of, well, yeah, I can do it. Now what, you know, he didn't <laughs> think of, okay, is the plates there, or, you know, is the other symbols right beside it or, you know, he didn't, he didn't even ask, okay, those are the images, but, and those are the symbols, but, Okay, I, this is the other information I need now. Yeah, he just I, assumed. What about the what about the stone? I mean, he. I almost felt like he forgot about the stone. He needed initially the stone, you know, to discover this gate. Now he's assuming he could do it without the stone on the other end. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. There's just a lot of questions that I had in that scene that it, they just seem out of place to me. Mm. So they, they finally, you know, he, he said he can get them back. So the new general said, well, you know, basically, 
make it happen. So they got a a crew, uh, military personnel, and him all dressed up, ready to go, and they actually go through the gate, uh, which was it for for us who actually saw it at the theaters. Um, it was to me at least it was very impressive, you know, an IMAX, and you see those visuals, um, and even more so. I like to think for someone that loves sci-fi to be able to see those visuals right on the screen as they travel, you know, vast distances from one Stargate to the other. Do you know, I, I think, I don't know if this is right or not, but someone told me once that this movie was made for IMAX to, to show the ability of IMAX because IMAX was really just in, in its infancy at this point. Um, you know, I, I don't know when or whatever, but I don't think it was showing movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was just showing like documentaries and things like that at this point, but it wasn't showing like what movies could bring in. But the the sequence when they go through the gate and I did see it in IMAX. Amazing. Yeah, it it yeah. really was amazing. And, and, um, and I'm yeah. with you there. I, I just I felt the exact same thing. I was just like in awe. At this scene when they're going through and and the visuals that they showed, um, and and I think it was a combination of that you know where the IMAX and and, and mm-hmm. the visual effects all into like I don't think it would have had the same impact maybe, and 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 all of you listeners out there you can correct me if I'm wrong if you got to see it on normal screen instead of IMAX like I did, but. Mm-hmm. I think it was um, it was very impressive. It, I was just in silence. Just I, I probably opened my mouth. It sucks you into the world of whatever is going on the screen. Yeah, that 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 that's, scene when they that's trans- a wonderful thing about it, man. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like if you were a kid and you always wanted to fight because you wanted to be in the front row, that's what it feels like. Yeah, yeah. So. They they got to the other end, and everything was kind of dark. And um, you know, it, it obviously they 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 were you know a little shaken up by the experience. Um, it seems like Daniel was a lot more than the other ones. I like to think that because of the military training. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm stretching a little here <laughs> because that kind of experience, you're human. You know, it doesn't matter what kind of training you have. But it, it seemed like he was maybe because he was the last one to come through the gate. Um, but he seems like he was a lot more affected by the travel than the, the military personnel that came before. Well, if you, if you look over at the i'm assuming because they had the one guy there and he said you know hang on it'll pass just you gotta keep focus they panned to somebody else at that point and you could tell he was still being affected by what was coming through the gate so i i it maybe affected him a little more but then assuming that it affected him more because he wasn't military would, would be assuming that they've the the others had traveled through the gate before and i think it was just because he played around with the whole water illusion of the gate a little bit more there was a delay between the others going through or not just excuse me by a few seconds or so yeah so you know they 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 had 
no telling how long it actually took for them to get to the side. You're not really told, but let's say a minute. They're still a, a minute more aware of their surroundings and more adjusted to the environment than the he would. So um, I, I think that was more like it likely. Now, the, the next thing that I was going to say, and, and I was dying to, to see, especially you who saw it on the theater. I don't know, Giancarlos, if you noticed that from watching it. I don't know if it was more evident because, you know, the big screen, you know, when we saw it in the theaters. But when they walked out of the building, well, let me correct that. They walked out of the pyramid because it was a pyramid they're in. And I saw the scene where they were at. And you see the pyramid, you know, going there. And you see them walking out. And then you see the three moons. And I don't know if I'm alone here or it was just a fluke or what it was. But as soon as I saw, or maybe it was a, a real good play from, from the visual effects team or, or maybe the director. But when I saw that scene, I visualized the seventh symbol where it had a pyramid and one moon right on top. I did not notice that. So when they walked out, yeah, I they had the too. pyramid and the three, moon, the three moons. Mm -hmm. And in my head, I was thinking, I bet I that's the seventh symbol. symbol. <laughs> I, said, I thought the same thing. It, it was just way too... I, I it like, was clever how they just showed it there. I like to think that was obviously right. part of the director's mystique, but I, I always wondered, it, it, number one, was it just a fluke that I just noticed? Was it very obvious from the director? How many people caught that when they watched the movie? Yeah. You know, and, and, and I'd obviously at the time I did not know. I was wondering until I got to the point when I got to see the seventh symbol. And it was exactly that. So I was like, I was right. <laughs> <laughs> but then you get the sense of like, okay, was I tricked into knowing that I was right? Or, or, or am I special? <laughs> Or my special. <laughs> that's something that always, since since 1994, that's always something that I always wondered. You You're know? special, Robert, anyways. <laughs> oh, God. But, <laughs> you yeah, you're special, all right. <laughs> <laughs> but you get Lucky what I'm trying too. to say, right? Because man, how many times have we seen a movie that the director does something on purpose? I mean, we, over, we actually even... Um, heard this from the creators of the expanse yeah how he says that everything that they do they, they have done in the show they have to exaggerate like for example the scene where this guy was coming at intergalactic speeds yeah and you can see at the beginning he's like you know well shaven and towards the end he's like a zz you know you know and and of course, that is supposed to show what is it, six months or, or three months? Yeah, it's it's a couple of months. Yeah, but that type of beer is is a year or year and a half. So they went out and and did the extreme because he said something that really called my attention. He said, whenever you did you do something that's realistic, it's subtle, and people don't look at subtle. Yeah, that's true. So yeah. I, I always wonder about that. I mean, everything they do and they have to do in the movies, you know, they would have to go all out, although it's unrealistic, to like shock you into thinking, you know, 
this is what I meant. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't know. It's just something that, and when I rewatched the movie, it, it just came back, you know, to my thought. That was my, yeah, that was my first thought too, is, you know, again, going, I couldn't, because it, it, I hadn't seen it since, uh, well, I think 94. So, but I, re- when I saw that, I was like, I think that's the final seventh symbol. And, and I said, well, that would make sense because of, you know, although the seventh symbol for Earth was completely different. Um, you know, it was the pyramid and thingamajiggy with the Sharpie and <laughs> the Sharpie, <laughs> the Sharpie. <laughs> but you know, that was, I thought that was unique that the, it seems like, um, good movies or decent movies always have something that brings you back to a certain point, And that definitely did bring you back. Oh yeah. They said, you know, if I remember back in the beginning, they're right there. It was right there in front of their eyes that they just didn't look up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and yeah, that's exactly what happened. They were walking out, and, and I think for them it was the the wow of being in different soil. Um, oh yeah, and, and knowing that it was different soiled, but looking and again, I'm I'm just different putting, soil, but such a familiar exactly surrounding, anyways. Yeah, so you know, I'm just I usually put myself in 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 from uh, try to look at things from their perspective and that's the came that's a, the thought that came to my mind mm-hmm. no, that, you know, daniel I, would have been looking up <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> daniel would have got his head out of his ass earlier <laughs> <laughs> but then they didn't have the other symbols either so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah even if they knew at this point they they didn't have just like you said nikki they didn't have the other symbols so yeah but it could have come handy later on um, because, you know, in that scene, they, they found, and later on in the movie, they found the stone. I, for right. some reason, I want to call it the Rosetta Stone, but they found the, the Rosetta Stone. stone. <laughs> Not the same thing. <laughs> um. They found the symbols, but the seventh symbol was eroded off. Like mm. through, through, I guess, a thousand years, it's just rotted off. and. So that could have come in handy at that point when they saw when saw this part. So apparently they they go into this world and they discover that there is a population on this world. Mm-hmm. And it seems like they're they're not as civilized as, you know, Daniel's Earth is. And as soon as they come into, which, by the way, is kind of a little funny because he he gets dragged by a... It looks like it might have been a Bantha from (laughs) (laughs) Stanford. That's what I was going to say, actually. Um, He gets dragged into it. And as soon as they see the... Which we actually completely skipped this part where Catherine gave them the necklace that yeah. she got on the 20th when they discovered the stone. Um, he had that on his neck. And, you know, at first, everybody's just like standing there, like, you know, shocked and no one's saying a word. And, and then they take, a, they take a glance at his necklace and everybody just go down like, like he's a king or something. Kind of like when, um, and, Star Wars, the, you know, uh, was it 
Return of the Jedi, the third, or not the first one, like the what, sixth one, where CP3O is up with the. Yeah, with the Wookiees. God, your people are going to hate me. <laughs> I love geeks, by the way. <laughs> but they were up with the Ewoks. There the Ewoks, we go. Ewoks. And he sets up, and they're like, oh my God. They start bowing to him. It was kind of like that. That's what it reminded me of. Yeah, yeah. Cut of the goddess. <laughs> yeah, he's a god. Yeah. He wasn't made out of gold, oh. but. <laughs> But, you know, these people were talking a language, and he couldn't understand it. Yeah. And um, it, it seems, based on what they asked Daniel, that it was some sort of derived dialect. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how far apart it was from the dead language of the Egyptians. Okay. So, you know, he's, he's home, you know, because he studied that. However, it is the dead language. So there's a very big difference from looking at that language in, in written form and listening to the language and, and, and actually identified, identifying the words, um, which... This is the part where it gets a little complicated. Later on, we discover that the written word is um, forbidden in this word. Oh. So I was like, okay, now what? It's a perfect, <laughs> I love this word. It's a perfect excuse not to go to school ever. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, he apparently... Um, he apparently goes, gets invited to, you know, to wherever these people are from. It looks like it's a, a huge city. That resembles me like all cities of the Orient, maybe. Okay. Um, I'm trying to pinpoint um, any city in the Baghdad, maybe... Middle Eastern cities. 1700, 1800, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's kind of like what I noticed. How that city, very, very old. Um, which brought, brought me to a question. You know, were they at the point as a civilization where they should have been farther out to where they were? And if so, did the banning of writing was the cause of that? Well, without going too far into the story, because that I'm trying not to reveal too much here, but that kind of question's kind of answered a little later. But then again, I was watching that and I'm thinking, how do you shy away? But is as you see later in the film how punishments are doled out, you know, but you also see her, the main female um, character that's Daniel's love interest. Actually, she starts trying. She's like, no, it's this. And when he's not looking, she kind of answers him in a symbol. And I think she had that little rebellious, in, you know, and, you know, because that would have been me. I'd have been like, fuck you. I'm learning to read and write. And I'm going to learn. I'm going to do it secretly. And, and I think she had that little rebellious streak in her. I can't imagine all of those people. Not one person didn't go. Well, 
we're going to, you know, how do you not? And, you know, and again, as the story unfolds, they start really realizing what the true answer and how this all is. And they're like, wait a minute, we've got numbers and you've got four people. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it makes you wonder, I mean, did they get to where they are? The, the advances that, I, that they got because of that slight rebellious streak where they're writing and hiding? It's obvious they were writing because later on, when Shari, that's the, the name of the character, brought Daniel, Daniel actually, he, she wrote in, in the sand and Daniel said he wanted to see. It like, was their honeymoon. <laughs> Yeah, at the honeymoon, <laughs> which he had no clue. No clue. <laughs> that, yeah, that they were married at the point. But, <laughs> and again, okay, okay. I caught that even before he knew. And so, the, again, that points back to him being oblivious of social interactions. He was so focused as a linguistics, you know, in knowing the language and he know all the history and stuff like that. But you would think with everything he knows, he would know matrimonial ceremonies, at least to some degree <laughs> and them bathing him in yak yeast or whatever. You know, set off any red flags. They were preparing him. And if you think back to Egyptian history, they bathed in floral and all this stuff for big ceremonies. And if you think about any movies like that based in history, and I hate to point to movies for history, but they, they showed stuff like that. So to me, they were they he was the god. They were preparing him to give him something or something. And she came in with a veil and everything else and to me i knew he was getting married or married or he was somewhere he said i do i don't know how but he did um so to me he was married and when he refused her i think he he at least had enough common sense to go she's perfect and put his arm around her <laughs> just the woman i want and you know he went back and that's when they started really communicating and it they they built a great foundation for communication it, could you imagine being flown into you know thrown into a universe and you are attracted to a woman and neither of you speak the same language or write anything yeah 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 kudos <laughs> to them they'll be talking their homemade up sign language by the week <laughs> yeah well and later on you find they 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 were able there was one word that he caught on to he was like he says i was just mispronouncing things Yes, and and that's where I was, where, what I was getting to when they go to that cave. Um, that was actually that was a life saving for all of them because it, it was really kind of cool to see how he got it right all along. And, and why my comment earlier as to you know he, the difficulty of learning a dead language, where I mean language in itself when you learn language. I like to think that big part of learning that language is getting your ear accustomed yes. to hearing the phonetics. The, the phonetics. And, and, and that's how you can eventually incorporate and, and even rewire your brain. So we're now you're thinking, what I like to think is for someone that speaks two languages, that is bi-dimensional. But it... it and that's why 
when you learn languages, if you solely read a book, it, it's just not going to work, even if you try, if you try to, to spell it out. So, you need the practical side of it. Exactly. So that's the big thing about that languages where you don't have anybody to practice with. Mm -hmm. And even if you have someone to practice with, um, there's going to be a lot of mispronunciations that eventually between the two of the people who are actually practicing this will come up with as become, you know, become part of the new language. And, and it doesn't become, and it becomes a new language altogether. So it was really kind of cool for me, at least, to be able to see how he was reading a word and the first time, at least, and she would say the word and it was so similar. And you can see how they, they could be the same word but it's obvious that he was mispronouncing. So after that one initial word, he would um, say the words and you can see a little question mark. And, and sometimes he would say like three different ways. And, and even at that, it was, I thought it was really clever when they make the movie where Shadi would come out with <laughs> the actual word and it didn't even sound anything like, well, very similar to any of the three words that he said. Right. And if you notice when he said the word, he would like when some people have a like like us talking, we can't write. It'd be stupid for us to go. Where did the cow go? Question mark. <laughs> It'd be stupid. <laughs> so what we do is usually we raise our voice like, where did the cow go? Yeah. It's a question. It's it, it's the raising of the voice, and that's it, it's interesting that just the that simple gesture or that simple moment, she knew it was. Am I pronouncing this right? Yeah, you know that. I mean, because that's what he did by repeating it three different ways. I was like, yeah, maybe. <laughs> and she's like, oh no, dumbass! It's this way. <laughs> <laughs> so because of this interaction which I don't know if it lasted all night. Um, I like to think that it lasted all night. Or maybe, was it all night or was it a couple of days? Because I know O'Neill was looking for him. I would say overnight or overnight? a couple hours at least. I don't think it was days. It didn't okay. feel like days. So it, it, that interaction helped them to learn the language or at least be intelligent enough because he knew and the rhythm form. So I like to think that for him, it, it, it was just, you know, that missing part of the conversation. Yeah. The, the, the actual speaking portion of it, you know, the actual, the actual speaking portion of it. And I mean, I can tell you this because of my own experience learning mm -hmm. other languages, uh, but until you don't get to really speak it and practice it, you can be a scholar at it. Yeah. And the moment that you open your mouth, you're just gonna go off completely. Yeah. And and that leads me to another funny part, mm -hmm. where I don't. I, I'm sure it comes a little bit after that because I'm going to get to to something else um, really cool. But I just want to mention this first: how they were laughing. Basically, the the kids mm -hmm. were laughing at Daniel because. He wasn't doing his matrimonial duties. And I, for some reason, I found that to be funny, especially coming from him where he was so laser focused. Um, I mean, she almost 
she basically undressed in front of him and he couldn't get the clues. And to be honest with you, Nikki, I think that's when he, when she walked in, not when she started undressing, but as soon as she walked in, that's when I got that in my brain, I, I rewind what I just saw. And I was like, whoa, this was a wedding celebration or a wedding match, you know, like a, uh, uh, it was a wedding, an actual wedding. And, and that's when it clicked for me, is when she walked in. And obviously when she started undressing, that's when I, oh yeah, I was right. This was, and it wasn't, no one ever mentioned it, but it's just, to me at that point, it was obvious. Yeah, I think that was their way of, maybe it was like an offering, their offering to their god Ra, which they thought he was Ra, mm-hmm. so their sun god, and they offered her I guess he, I guess she was the priestess daughter or the priest's daughter or however you want to say him. Um, that was his gift. But in, so when he opened the drapes to say something, he was trying to politely say, I, I don't need her. I'm here anyway. And he realized in that split moment, the, the, the terror on that man's face, that priest's face of like, Oh my God. You know, I, I still don't think he then realized he was married, but when I realized it was a marriage ceremony, I knew it was some kind of ceremony with the cleansing of the feet and the yak come or whatever. Mm-hmm. But then um, I realized that it was a marriage ceremony when she came in and she had the veil and she went to take the veil off. And it was, a, it, again, it shows how he just didn't have the social skills to put together that which still amazes me with everything he knows as a scholar and everything else. Did you just study the language and not the culture too, to realize that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, so that, that was kind of amazing. He didn't put two and two together, even as smart as he was. But again, if we go back to saying he has no social skills, it makes sense. Yeah. So go, going back to the, the scene in the cave when he's learning, I found that, the, the, the result from this, not only did he kind of learn, learn the language, so he's able now to somewhat communicate with his people, but how he discovered what happened to, uh, in, on Earth. Mm-hmm. And why I found that to be um, really cool is because the writers of this story this is their titan. This is how they tied, you know, the movie to the, 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 the pyramids and Egypt and how they were created um, by aliens slash slaves. And, and it was just a mismatch of, uh, it's a mashup of all those theories into one. And how, like, Ra first came to Earth. Earth was primitive. Um, he was able to pick up their bodies. Uh, you know, he, he actually want, got one of their bodies because he was in a dying alien race, his you know, lone survivor. Um, and he picked their, the, these humans because it was easier, it was easy to fix their bodies. So that way he can make sure that he has a long life. And how eventually, through the years, um, humans revolt against Ra, and he had to escape out of there. And not sure if he brought humans with him, 
I like to think that that's what happened because it's always with an entourage of kids, uh, which is another unsettling <laughs> visual there. Um, and then he created that other civilization in this other planet. So I found that to be really amazing how they're able to write a story that covers all those points. Yeah, absolutely. History. That's good attention to detail if you think about it. Well, what do you think, uh, uh, Nikki, when you saw that scene? I mean, for some reason, it just, I was just. <clears throat> well, they explained that he traveled around the universe collecting humans. So I was thinking, well, wait a minute. So there's humans, you know, because another a favorite line from, you know, um, and I know contact with uh, Joni. Joni Foster. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I swear your listeners are going to be low ever. Carl Sagan. Carl Sagan yeah. book. <laughs> but the most favorite line, and I think a lot of people quote it, is, you know, because um, her dad was hot. Let's just all face it. I can't think of his name, but he was in the Green Mile, too. Um, you know, he says, you know, it's something like it's all that space out there. It, you know, we can't be the only living thing. And, and that's what science is, especially when it's, you talk about space and, and other, other life out there. But this story just said we're all humans because he went around collecting everybody. Mm-hmm. It's not like he went to the United States and then Africa and then Egypt and then, and then just flew. You know, he went to other you know, constellations and all that other space out there to even Georgia and <laughs> picking on Georgia here and, you know, bringing them to this place, which was clear across the galaxy. So that's where I thought was, okay, but then where is he getting the kids and how is he reproducing? And all those were my questions is like, these kids are a little younger here. And did, how long were, have they been there? And because if they said those people haven't talked for generations, yeah. generation, but he has these tiny kids in there. So were they aliens and little kids bodies? Yeah. And I think all those questions, you know, that you had, I had, and many of the people that have actually watched the movie, I think that is the reason why we have so many um, TV shows spawning after the movie. Because of those, you know, and, and I think this, this is a success story because I've seen many movies that, and we talked in, in previous episodes, uh, me and Giancarlo's, uh, perfect example, John Carter, um, where we only wish that they would go into at least another movie oh my God. Or, or, or a TV show that explores and this is why i call stargate a success story because the fans of stargate got not one but many tv shows after like three yeah. right yeah where they, they get to explore there's even an animation there somewhere so they get the chance or the writers get the chance to ex- expand on those questions brought out by the movie and maybe even create more questions Mm-hmm. So you do know, you know the answer? That's what usually happens. Yeah, yeah. So do you know the answer? Did, did were the kids part alien? Did he go collect them and have other little aliens that were dying and needed bodies, or did he go reproduce and abduct women and send them back to Georgia? 
I I have a feeling, and let, let me go on full description here. I've not watched uh, the TV shows. Um, Neither have I. That's why I asking. have to watch the TV shows. I have to. I, I just, you know, I'm not sure why I haven't watched it at this point. Uh, and I have a friend of mine that <laughs> yeah. he finished the entire thing. He's like, you got to watch this. Um, however, I, and I don't know if Giancarlo, you, you would agree with me or not. Okay. But um, I I have a feeling these kids were offerings from you know every visit oh, maybe the maybe may, that's a good answer yeah it um, is because that would make sense because they they both had the same skin tone those children had the same skin tone as the people that already lived there so very much they very could be the offerings to keep him happy and maybe he was building his own little you know i don't want to say cult like a jim jones thing or anything because <laughs> I don't think they had Kool-Aid there, but, um, you know, maybe that's what they were doing to keep him happy because I think also to keep him in line, not to read, write and learn to talk. And, you know, I think he did some of those raids every now and then Mm kind of like, you know, Jim Jones would come on the PA at 2 a.m. and do drug induced ramblings. I think he did the flyovers at 2 a.m. saying, hey, I can you know, and just blow up just right around their living quarters going, this can happen at any time. You better stay in line and not read and write. Yeah. And, and, you know, that also brings another question is like, were they also how he got his soldiers? You know, it is very possible that he got, you know, could have he, could he have gotten kids and trained them or did he just picked up, the strongest one on wherever he visited and made him a soldier. Um, those are questions that I have. And I'm sure if you listeners are there, have, have actually watched the show, let's strike up a conversation. I would love, and, and don't misunderstand. I'm, I'm watching the show and it's, it's in my list. I have to watch it. <laughs> I'm definitely watching the show, but I'm just going to buy you guys a case or just a glass of whiskey and say, just give me the cliff notes. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, if you, if you guys know us, we love the conversation, you know, reach out to us and, and Twitter, we have a discord and let's talk about this. Um, and, and, you know, correct us if we're wrong or, you know, let's just engage in that conversation. But, you know, those are, those are questions that I had. I mean, the, the, they're obviously very loyal, the soldiers. So the question that I had on that is like, uh, question A, are they loyal because they were kids and they were forged into that over age? Or are they loyal because they got the fear in them because he attacked the city and picked up the strongest one? You know, you know, I mean, would you if you're if you were faced with a Q-tip that could shoot lightning bolts and shoot you across the room, wouldn't you be kind of wanting terrified? Oh, yeah. Me, though, I'm like, you know, the his the things, you know, in the, his flying pyramid, which isn't very aerodynamical, by the way, you know, his the shields would come down. So he'd have these windows so he could look out over the, the dirt outside i think i would have been like are there sheets around here i can scale down this thing because i'm not (laughs) sticking around for a a q-tip to shoot me in the ass sorry (laughs) that and you brought you know when when you say that you brought in a a a visual for me and and how 
um, the inside of the pyramid and everything around that was very, very alike what you would expect to find in a pharaoh's chamber. Mm-hmm. Everything was very Egyptian-like. Yeah. And, and I thought that was really, really cool. It, it, yes. it, that's what I said at the beginning of the episode. It was very clever how they put this alien society that just looks like our ancient ones. And, and you know, that's, that's, how, that's why I said it that way, because obviously we were not there. There was no picture, so we can't really see. We only, the only re- point of reference we have is from what we have unearthed. Yeah. You know, from excavations. But it is very, very like something we would imagine that would look like. And and I thought that was really cool. You know? Because we've seen how many times have we seen something that, you know, you're supposed to look like something. And, you know, it's believable, but you know, you're you're not You could do better. Yeah, mm-hmm. we I know the feeling. I know the feeling. Yeah. And, you know, it could be, you know, going back to the kids thing, it could, he could be very well building an army because there were no little girls there. Yeah. They yeah, were that's all true. boys. That's true. That's true. They're really bad haircuts, but still. <laughs> <laughs> but, but if you go back to see Egyptian history and, and the drawings they had, those were the bad haircuts they had. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that brings me to, to something that I learned. The um, the guy that plays Ra, Jay uh, mm-hmm. Davidson. Um, I did not know that he was in the Crying Game. You didn't? Yeah. No, he I was mean, in, after the yeah. fact, I remember. Yeah. But I was like, it didn't. It didn't like one plus one didn't add to two in my head until I actually read about. He got that part because of the Crying Game. Well, here's the thing. Here's the interesting thing. What I learned, it was like, whoa. He, all of us who, I don't know if you saw The Crying Game or not, it had very mixed, I don't want to, maybe, should I say reviews? It did. Well, you got to remember that it was in 92. Yeah. So we got to remember the time that it came out. So I want to say half the people hated the movie because of what represented and half the other were thinking, you know, that's, they were a little more advanced, you know, in the social stigma, and they were a lot yeah. more acceptance to the movie. Mm-hmm. However, you know, even if the movie was ahead of its time, um, Jade did not like the attention. Mm. No, he did not like the attention. But so, here's my question: When you do a role like that in those times, mm-hmm. and we all know what times they were, um, aren't would you expect? Yeah. yeah. And it, and for the people with the mixed feelings, it's not like we had the internet then, like we do now. Yeah. You couldn't That's have true. just gone to Twitter and have it spoiled for you in five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so so. When he got, and like you said, he got this role because of this movie. When he got told, he was very reluctant to play the role of Ra. Very reluctant. However, 
he did not want to say he did not want to say no. It's a, it's a spotlight on the whole movie. Well, I think it's because you know, as an actor, I think he might not want to say no to a lot of roles because if you say no enough, you're not going to get any parts. And yeah, well, I think this was his last big role. Yeah, I think he was in other things. Wow. But I think this was his last big, but again, I'm not a movie buff and your people hate me by now anyway. (laughs) So I I think for what little reading I did today, he did a few other things. um, But, and maybe he's in something that I love that I didn't realize it's him. But I, I, I do know that he didn't, like this role but like you said and he wasn't really known for that he was behind the scenes doing a lot of other things mm-hmm. and, and with for big companies and not an actor he was not known for an actor but mm-hmm. because he did the crying game which was a low budget movie and a art film more or less is from what i read it's considered it just exploded yeah. and because it was such a big thing for the time it was i remember it was one of those, oh my God, have you seen it? Yes. And, I and it was that. and it was from the two people I heard it from are now out out. And so it was one of those and I I'd never I'm like, no, I and then still again I didn't go see movies then and and now it was one of those years and years later, I think it took till after I graduated high school, I was in, in college and someone's like, have you seen the crying game? And I'm like, no. Well, and then they, I'm not going to ruin it, <laughs> but they said, and I'm like, Oh, well, yeah, that's why it hit the fan, you know? And I, I think he didn't, I don't know. Did he come to this role thinking it would bring him away from that movie? But knowing the movie I'm seeing now, cause I went to the theater with my dad with this mm-hmm. movie. And I remember sitting next to my dad going, is that a guy or a girl? Exactly. Exactly. Because <laughs> he had... He's very delicate. Yeah, yeah. Looking. And, and I yeah. think that's why... And I think that's why he got picked for the role. Because did, didn't we find out that he did a role for a movie as a transgender woman? And when you look, you were looking at the photo and you were like, no, that's a woman. And I'm like, yeah, it's him. This is a woman. Because he looked like a woman. (laughs) Yeah, so he got picked for that role because they wanted to pick a god. So as a god, you know, you you have to, and and like, and and, you know, I might be wrong here, but I like to think that you want to pick someone that is genderless. Yeah. And he is perfect for that role Mm -hmm. because of that. But when you go back to Egyptian history, gods dressed flamboyant. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. They they had the make, especially Egyptians, they had the eye makeup. They had this, I don't know if they had eyelashes like his, mm-hmm. but. <laughs> I'll tell you something. Sometimes I think I'm a god. When I'm going out, if I'm dressing up like uh, full dress code, tie and everything, mm-hmm. and we're going to a party, I use uh, eyeliners, actually. And why? Arabic men actually use it. It looks very good and it looks very elegant. that's why i like getting my eyelashes done because i i it with you know the fake eyelashes if they're done right you know i can just throw on some foundation and run out the door and it looks like i spent 20 minutes on my on my makeup and really it's just foundation and eyelash (laughs) with a little bit of eyeliner and i look great yeah (laughs) so so yeah but i i can see why they picked him for the role and i i that i well, it, they said it. He got that role because of the crying game. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, what I found interesting was the fact that he obviously, it seems like he was effective, affected by the crime game. And he had a fear, I like to think, that that was going to be the case with this movie. I'm not sure why. If he okay. read the script, I, I didn't get that. But what he did, because he did not want to say no, he actually went out and asked for $1 million. So in his mind, he's thinking... Like, they're going to say no, so I don't have to worry, or I'm going to get some money for my trouble. <laughs> no, no. He was thinking, you know, let me put it as high as I can. So they say no, and then that wouldn't be me saying no. It would be them saying no. Mm-hmm. And, he's, and they said yes. <laughs> and they say yes. <laughs> so he got all this money. They were like, I'm sorry, dude. Your girliness <laughs> is worth every penny. <laughs> but he's yeah, perfect. I, I he, is, he was very perfect. He is worth every penny. I know. Now, did you guys pick up on when they brought him in the room, how they brought him in the room? You know what? No. They brought him in on, with his subjects, as we'll call them, because I hate calling them the, his kids because that mm-hmm. just seems creepy. His <laughs> subjects brought him in. And he's meant and, to be creepy. Yeah, he's meant to be creepy, but not the, that kind of creepy. The, the the kids, and I read somewhere, the kids and the way they were uh, scantily clad, dressed, is meant to show this creepiness around the character. And yeah. I was like, you know what? Well done. Because that was... But yeah. I didn't take it like pedophile creep boy, creepy. No, no. Me because neither. his eyes, right, that's where I was going creepy. But w- when his eyes glowed, I took it as more of a god, as, as just, just he's a bad dude. So how they were able to keep them dressed as Egyptian children, um, like Egyptian god children were um, in studies that I, I had seen them dressed, but it totally didn't give me that pedophile type of feel it gave me the whole i'm their god and they worship me and they protect their job is to be my you know to be my new bodyguards Mm -hmm. they'll be my new whatever you want to call it but if you know your egyptian history he was brought in like cleopatra arrived in rome on a chair Mm -hmm. carried by her people that's how she arrived in rome to caesar because she said i will not step a foot in Rome uh, without leaving on um, Egyptian soil. So she brought herself on a chair from with her own soil on it. Actually, she arrived on a boat with her own soil, but so she technically didn't leave Egyptian land. But when she was carried through the city, she was carried on her own throne by her people. And that's how he was brought in. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I've seen that scene. I remember that scene, but yeah, that's a very, really cool observation. Because yeah, that I, 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 I got that from there. If you've ever seen Cleopatra done by the great Elizabeth Taylor, you they really bring out that scene. And um, if I find the clip, I'll have to send it to you guys so you know. And then you'll go ah, because as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, it's Cleopatra all over again. All over again. But yes, it was known that that. Cleopatra was brought into Rome on her golden chair with Caesar's child. Well, was it Caesar's child or was it Mark Anthony? Uh, Well, yeah, you'll probably correct me. It was probably Mark Anthony. Uh, No, I thought it was Caesar. 
I'm, see, I, it's been a long time since I read my Egyptian history, but still, she had him there with him, mm-hmm. with herself on the chair. So there you go. So, you know, fast forward in this movie, we um, we go to the part where they they go back <clears throat> to the, I, I guess. I have to go back slightly to where there was the soldiers were in there. And when the pyramid came in, then the aerodynamic pyramid, um, they were all taken. I like to say that they were all taken hostage, but because in every scene that I saw them be, being taken down, um, they were just being hit by the laser looking rifle instead of being shot at by it and um was that your impression i mean i think at that point everybody there was just taken you know prisoner if you think about it there's only one person that died which was very obvious and he got shot into a wall but everybody else got hit instead of shot at Mm -hmm. so Fast forward to the movie, and they they go back. <clears throat> I think the reason, and, and Nikki, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think the reason, it, um, at that point, Daniel basically admitted that he he couldn't open the gate. So Colonel O'Neill decided to put, I guess plan b into action mm-hmm. so they go back you know unbeknownst to anybody that he was going to blow up the only means of escape for them because and you know as a military person you understand you don't want that would be an invasion yeah so you're going to do everything in your you power look at the greater good exactly Exactly. So I don't fault him for that. Um, so they go back and he turns the machine on. Now I'm trying to remember at what point during, there, during that he discovered that no, no, yeah, he, he turned the machine on. I'm trying to remember what at what point he decided to turn the machine off, the the, the atomic bomb, basically, because mm-hmm. he was going to blow everything up. Um, but the point is, he goes out to try to, you know, disable it, and he couldn't. And I remember in my mind, I was I was cursing. I was just like, yeah, that's so like them to tell you, oh yeah, you can disable it this way, but no. If you turn it on, you're, that's it. You know, it's, it's full, full blown. Did, did you get that? Um, I mean, of course, I'm, I'm not going to say those here, but yeah, I, in the movie theater, I was just cursing. Did you get that, Nikki, when you saw that part? Well, my question was, if we're talking so far forward, that, you know, when the first group was taken, mm-hmm. he also took the atomic bomb. Yes. Which is from what I understand what it was. And he tells them in, in Ra tells the second Ra with the great hair 
not Daniel, whatever, um, <laughs> says, I've added all the elements to build, um, you know, that's from this island, you know, here mm-hmm. that will, it will destroy your planet. I will not have an invasion because he knew he got his butt kicked the first time. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. he was not going to have it happen again. So he's like, I've added all the elements. So when it goes through, it's going to kill all of y'all. Not just yeah. whatever. So he was wanting to do it from the other side. So when it came back down and when Daniel and his wife went back up because she got shot. Yeah. He put her in the the healing thingamajig and he's like, I'll be back. Well, then when he comes back, right. He tries <laughs> to shut it off. Mm-hmm. I, what I thought was, okay, did when the military send them over, did they add it to where, like you said, to where, okay, no matter what, you're going to do the job. Or did great hair raw up the crazy one add that also because of technology? Did he when they add good, the extra elements? They really good, didn't. Ex- yeah. That is a very good question. I mean, that's a good point. Um, Cause I was thinking, and the reason why I was bringing this up is, is to tie up back to the initial conversation that we started at the beginning of the episode where uh, I was saying, you know, why would they pick this person that is obviously suicidal aside from the, from the fact that he's really good at his job, um, just for that chance that he could, you know, and, and that point kind of, for some reason, put it in perspective for me. You know, would so, they think that they would go ahead with it and killed himself or it was right. this raw, you know, because obviously he's an alien. He he's aware of the technology. Did he actually did something to the bomb where he couldn't disable it? Mm-hmm. Because that's makes you go back and think, OK, did they hire this guy, like you said, to do this and knew he was so suicidal, he would go away with the bomb because his job was to excuse me, to destroy the gate. But then I'm like, okay, I guess exploding would be better than shooting yourself because you wouldn't feel it. Hopefully you would not feel it. Mm-hmm. It should okay, be less painful and more it, automatic. Right. You know, I mean, you, I, yeah, that's neither here nor there. But, <laughs> but the thing is, then it's like, okay, well, you know, so he was supposed to go and they... They were supposed to go and then go right back through. And he was supposed to be the last one back through. But instead of going through, he was he was going to die and just blow everything up. So then they met civilization. So then if that's the case, when Raw said, I added the elements, if he still was going to kill, you know, do the Stargate thing, if it was going to get rid of Earth, that means it would have got rid of that little planet, too. Yeah. That yeah, means it not only would have killed him, it would have killed all of those other people, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know. I was I was thought about that, and that's a very good point too. I mean, was he? Did he thought about that? Because I mean, Rod did say that there was enough mineral in there that would uh, cause the explosion to multiply like a hundredfold. So did he think it was just him? I mean, I don't know. That that's a very good question. Because he's obviously doing it because he doesn't want that in the other end. Well, he, the whole planet. So it's obvious that he might know that the planet will go. Would be would that be one of the cases where you think better you than me? Kind of. Oh, 
I don't know. But, you know, that's my thing is, well, if so if he decided he didn't want to blow up the gate, does he just set the timer and run? But, I mean, at that point, he doesn't even know what civilization's there. So, you know, it, it, it goes back to the point he was hired, possibly brought on because it was a suicide mission for him, too. Yeah. And he was he would have followed the job because he is a he is a company man is what they would call him a company man. Yeah. Following orders. He's told mm-hmm. he does. So Daniel goes up through I guess the the, the transporter, I don't know how you call that. It it looks like a bunch of multiple um stargates all together. He goes up to take um Chari back to that sarcophagus to get cured because she got shot, mm-hmm. killed basically. Um, because if you remember earlier on, when they first met Raw, Daniel got shot and he got put into that sarcophagus. I, I guess because Ra wanted some answers from him. And that's otherwise, I, and, and that's just my opinion. I don't know what you guys think, but he. Well, not necessarily answers. Remember, Daniel had the necklace of raw. The mm-hmm. people were, people were going, wait a minute. Daniel's raw, not crazy dude. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. So that's, then he told them, he goes, you're going to go down and you're going to kill your people. And he's like, well, kill your friends. He's like, well, what if I don't? And he goes, not only will I kill you. I will also strike the other thousands of innocents out there for following you and kneeling to you. So this is where, you know, we, we, we go a little forward in here. And Ra has sent out a communication saying of a, pu- a public execution. So the plan was for Daniel to kill all his people. and. Everybody else in the planet sees this and, and, in essence, make an example of, uh, of what would happen if you go against the word of Raw, basically. And I, for some reason, this part also, I find it really cool, um, where... You could see Daniel has no choice. You know, it, it's either he kills them and he's going to get killed or he's going to get killed and they're going to get killed anyways. Um, and as he goes towards where O'Neill is, um, he's, there's a light shine into his face and he's one of the kids from the town. Um, trying to get his attention and showing him that they are, they were armed, and that's when he looked up and he noticed basically all of them were kind of armed and you know ready to you know to to do what you know whatever they needed to do. Mm-hmm. He can tell, and you could at that point I realize the same thing that happened to Earth. Is about to happen. Uh, I don't. What What was your thought on that on that scene? I mean, I was just like, 
he went from no hope. Yeah. To having slip, you know, because again, they were kids. They they had weapons, so they're a sliver. It was a sliver of hope at this point, and he was going to do everything he could to to take advantage of that. Because survival is always uh, remember one of our main characteristics as conscious beings is self preservation. Mm-hmm. So that's always going to kick in. Doesn't matter in what kind of situation you are. Yeah. So, yeah, it's kind of like, it's kind of like when they hunkered down in that bunker. You know, he he was trying to tell them, "Look, it's 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 time. It's time to surrender." You know, he put. There's no fight left. We're fighting against these alien planes. Mm-hmm. And yes, our machine guns are cutting it. <laughs> so yeah, don't go further. So, like, doesn't matter how grim it looks. You just just look at the analogy of. The little mouse and the cat. Even when the cat put the mouse on the corner, the mouse is going to fight. Yeah. That's just it. And then if you think you know? back, and the small part we skipped was, um, you know, the chief was trying to tell Daniel, we, we can't fight. We can't fight. We, we you know, the, they're so much better than us. And Daniel reaches down and says, this is who you're fighting. And that's when the chief realizes that the guard is human just like him. Mm-hmm. And as they're giving, as the the ones that tried to storm, shall we say, the castle, and, you know, it looks like it's, that's it, it's defeated. Here comes, you know, as any great movie or any, anything else, like it happened in The Three Kings where, you know, Gandalf brings all the, the, everybody over the hill and so forth and so on. And, you know, everything else, same thing happened here. You get thousands and thousands and there's only five of them i mean yeah yeah, they have lightning bolt q-tips but i mean when you have thousands and thousands it's you know like you said uh, anybody backed in a corner everybody has a breaking point Mm -hmm. even you know and they had all this knowledge now of look look we were we're they're just people just like us, you know, and they can be defeated and wait, it's okay. We write, read and write. And oh my God, they destroyed civilizations. What is going on? You know, once you give people emotion and ammunition and, and, and belief and, you know, that they can do something like I got this. Yeah, that's not good. And that's exactly what happened here. And, and they were, and it's obvious they were being oppressed and it's obvious that there was a, there was a, a sliver of rebellion. And you can see that from some of the kids, and mainly from 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 Daniel's uh, wife. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that was the spark that that just you know made it all happen. And how and, and, and you can see the kid. I think the kid was uh, the the main uh, kid. I forgot his name. He's um he was uh, the kid of the of, of the I guess the chief no oh, yeah of, mm-hmm. of of the entire town and and how he said you know he's like he's gonna fight you know he's he's, he's tired enough is enough mm-hmm. and, and and i think that's how they, they the writers of the story brought the story full a full cycle because we were seeing while at the beginning we we read with daniel and shardy what happened on earth and how ra left and came to this planet, we did not see, it, you know, in detail what we're seeing right now, which is how the people rise up 
because they were tired of the oppression and they rise up against their oppressors and eventually because of that you know enough is enough they were they were victorious yeah right so, so it, it's kind of nice to see that full full circle you know you you kind of get a hint of it and now you're seeing it so it's kind of like a you know we have a second earth here so one of the coolest things on this movie, you know, so I think, um, and, and some of the people that have actually watched this movie with me, I, I mean, me and Giancarlo, by the way, we didn't see that movie together. So this is one of those movies that, you know, we, we didn't have previous conversation on. But the ending of the movie was very cool to me. Because, you know, there you are, they're defeated, they got the soldiers overrun you know i think they had him on the air at some point mm-hmm. and it's kind of funny because how they're like they got tired of shooting but there's so many people <laughs> and then they 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 got to a point where they were just swinging and and they just that's and this it. is why i never choose the really long stick thingy majiggies when you play like assassin's creed i always stick to swords and little things because i can't work those things i don't know how the hell they did the little toothpick things you know but that's why i choose the little sorry no no i'm i'm, <laughs> I'm just saying i that's the first thing i thought of was watching this i was like and this is why i don't choose the battle axe in assassin's creed it makes you slower right here i yeah. actually rather the daggers actually kind of like a label ass with swords yeah see you get it so big gamers here yeah we're yeah we're gamers i didn't know you were a gamer but oh yeah i i assassin's creed but my the love of my life is uncharted uncharted i'm an uncharted girl i play uncharted one loved it well i just got i just got the membership for playstation so i think that we have all uncharted now nice nice yeah. Which is like, which is like, I mean, come on, Uncharted is like the playboy version of Indiana Jones. And then the, there's rumors. <laughs> I think they're making a movie too. Oh, that will be yeah, awesome. Yeah, it, it's going to be early Uncharted. So I'm, I think it's Tom Holland in it. I'm like, eh, I think so. <laughs> goofy games to movie. Eh, I'll wait for the. Like it it always it's it. it's always like a like a build up stress that you don't know if they're gonna actually succeed at it. Or screw it up completely. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, like Mortal the... Kombat's coming out, what, April? Oh, yeah, and that's another one, too. I wasn't, mm. It looked good. I saw the trailer today, but I'm like, I'm an Mortal Kombat girl anyway. I'll just wait. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, I'm a, I am a gamer. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Nice. Awesome. Nice. Yeah, I, I, I used to be heavy, heavy, heavy into gaming, but I guess we were discussing me and Giancarlo's. I guess for me, life got in, got in the way. So I'm not, I don't game as much as I used to. And it cannot be a game that causes you stress. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> a, I, I'm at the point in my life where I, I don't play, I used to be heavy in Call of Duty. And I can't, yeah, no. not anymore. That's why I'm a, yeah, that's why I'm an Uncharted girl in like Tomb Raider and stuff, because it's story driven. And mm-hmm. I, I really like the story driven stuff, because even though I've played all the Uncharted's gazillion times, mm-hmm. it still feels like you're playing it all over again. 
like for the first time. It, it really, except when you try to play one and two now, you mm-hmm. can tell how clunky it was because it was from what PS3. Yeah. So, so you could really tell how clunky the even either even the remastered one where it's on PS4, you can still tell how clunky it is. But absolutely, hands down, when I need to escape, I I actually put in Uncharted Four. A Thief's End, which is pirates. Imagine that, right? Uh, <laughs> I mean, even even um, um, Lara Croft, the first one. Oh my god! I, I love that she movie. She started all that movie. She started the whole thing. She really did. And and I love that that game. But you play it now, and and you see like that's really clunky. <laughs> oh yeah, when she, but like, it's awesome. The, I know when she she was all square and. It's like the 50s square boobs and pointy boobs. Exactly. Just yeah. <laughs> fighting bears in a cave. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah. honestly, sometimes I would have been like, why she doesn't just run up forward to the enemy and stab him? <laughs> <laughs> I just finished the latest one on her um, this winter, I think, or, la- you know, early winter probably around November-ish, and uh, I actually liked it. I'll have to play it again. Um, But, yeah. But uh, the ending of the movie, this was my question. Okay. It showed how we got here. They had to have all these computers and blah, 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 right? Mm -hmm. Well, they blew up the spaceship. How the hell did they power everything? How'd they get it going? I mean, did they walk up to like the, spin the wheel to win a million dollars, like you know, Wheel of Fortune or Price is Right, and just see if it lands right? That is a very good question. I think that we're gonna have to watch because, as far as it I, didn't I don't show. know you, but I can remember it's something like they just decided to forget about. Well, so this can they can be a continue. it was never powered up it was never yeah. powered up it, it, no it was never powered up and he never showed how they put this new these symbols in or what these symbols were they showed some of them but not all of them mm-hmm. it was just like oh here they are here they are oh wow found the seventh symbol i think we only saw like one or two magic yeah. you know and that's <laughs> it but it doesn't show this thing had to have had power i mean think of how they lit up this thing on earth I mean, think of all the machines. It looked like yeah. a big production studio that you'd find on ABC and TNT and all these other news medias. But here they they exploded, you know, Crazy Ra and his little crazy machine. How the hell they how the hell they start it and you know get it going? I mean, I didn't see any jumper cables, boys. No, well, I, I didn't even <laughs> see them turning the machine. It's no. just it was just it was just on magic. It's like, hey, we're going home. They left that part out. Yeah, yeah, that that's very, very interesting. I, you know, that's one of those parts that you know you get to the end and you're happy. You know, they're victorious. You know, but you're still, yeah, you're still wrapped up in it. But I mean, that's that's uh, how they get home. It never said how the machine started again. But I guess as a if that's you go on the theory or the argument, well, it's just a movie. I mean, how it works the same way. But it's like, well, well, I'm sorry, like. um Mr. McDude, but over on <laughs> Earth, we had this thing called electricity that's not here. But then if you go back to what Daniel said with the build, building of the pyramids and like the copper and things like that, maybe all the electrical systems underneath, which we didn't talk about in the movie, mm-hmm. you know, maybe there was some secret light bulb or maybe, I don't know, but I want to know how they started the machine. Was it 
you know, like Wheel of Fortune or Prizes, right, where they just spun it and it all landed, right? And hey, we're going on. There's definitely a big contrast because <laughs> on the the one at on Earth, which is a big question on the, even on the one on Earth, they use these machines with rollers that were actually rolling uh-huh. the device around um, with a camera on where it's you know the, the right. camera scanner. So the question on that one is, did they really needed that, considering that we know pyramids had electricity? Mm-hmm. Was that type of electricity? You know, of course, it's not the type of electricity we have now, but would that electromagnetic electricity would have been sufficient instead of having all those devices with superpower? And if that's the case... Was that how they turned, although we'd never saw them, the, the Stargate on the other end? Or was it the explosion of the bomb, probably, I don't know, radiation or something, was able to power through the gate? And, and you know, and I wonder, you know, my, it, my luck, I'm going to start the show, mm-hmm. and they're going to answer it there. <laughs> they, they might, they might. And if you think about it, we're talking about an atomic bomb that blew up in the atmosphere. Yeah. You know, and which is which is kind of unrealistic. Probably something would have happened at a distance of what? It's just a couple of miles away from any surface of any planet. We're not talking about 30, 40 miles away. Yeah. Fallout. Exactly. And, and then atomic fallout. Exactly. To be exact. Exactly. But nothing happened. Happy ending. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they got Ooh. a bomb exploding 50 miles away from there. And they're like, oh, pretty nice. I, 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 can, I can stretch it. You know, it was, a, it was a different planet. The atmosphere had a stronger, you know, uh, shield on the planet, kind of like we um, shield from radiation from the sun. Yeah, no, <laughs> I think that the shield was more like the shield that nurse used to protect their virginity. I don't know. <laughs> That doesn't fly like shield on a planet now. <laughs> I mean, that's just magnetism. We're talking about a freaking atomic bomb. Yeah, no, those are <laughs> those are valid questions. I, I mean, I you know, it, it's one of those things that I feel just like like Nikki said, you get all caught up with you know the the, the victory you know at the end of the movie, yeah. and, and and they kind of did it in that manner where. Everything work was kind of fast, mm-hmm. so you didn't have time to, you know, uh, look at us. We had to kind of rewatch the movie because it was so fast. We didn't have chance to analyze. We didn't even realize that it was not plugged. Uh huh. <laughs> and, and here's the thing, Nikki, about Robert. Like, I watch movies that they don't really have happy endings. For him, he has to have a happy ending. Yeah. Really. Yes. He yeah. would not like it. He will be displeased with the movie if the, the main character dies. There's exceptions, very f- far in between. I think that I can count okay. with one hand yeah. the exceptions. Okay, tell me them. I have to know now. <laughs> <laughs> um, would you call? So would, it, you, would you count aliens? Aliens? I mean, you have Ripley that stay alive unless you're rooting for the freaking monsters. <laughs> Which everybody wants to see gone and exterminated. Hmm. And I mean, Rogue ha- One. Rogue One. Okay. I mean, are you rooting for that moron that killed his own father? No, I was rooting for the re- for the rebels. Oh, well. you were rooting for them to escape. Okay. Uh-huh. But I liked the so movie. So when did you? When did you? I liked the movie too. But when did you realize they weren't? 
Well, I realized from the first time when the movie started playing, because since the original, you know, trilogy, right where it fell in line, I, I heard of this group of people that made it possible to bring the the, the map of the Death Star to um, um right to Princess Leia. Mm-hmm. She said and a lot of lives were lost. A lot of lives, yeah. So I always wondered, even from back then, what was that like? You know, and that that's one of those things that you want someone to feed you that story. And they gave it to you. Then. And they finally gave it to me. So I was already with the, ex- and I think that's partly the reason why I like the movie, because I went with the expectation and knew everybody there was going to die. Yeah. Everybody. So does that change the fact as to why I might like a movie if I know from the fact that everybody's going to die. I'm not sure. Maybe. Uh, you probably forget about the movie and remember about the great saga anyway. So you're like, okay, screw this movie. I like the whole rest anyways. <laughs> but then again, it's something curious, Nikki. I, to me, all the Star Wars movies, I consider one, one big, huge movie or a TV show. So exactly. if you think about it that way, yeah. the movie never ended with people dying. No. It no. was just a chapter. It was an episode on the TV show. Mm-hmm. It's true. Well, well, here you go. Here's a little fun fact about me. When somebody goes, hey, I'm watching this. I'll be, that's great. Everybody dies. Enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> Every time. Even if it's like a love stupid movie or whatever. I'm like, hey, have fun. Everybody dies. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> How about Cowboy Bebop? Cowboy Bebop? Yeah, you like Cowboy Bebop. I really, does, really like Cowboy Bebop. And Spike Bebop. doesn't make it. I know yeah. nothing about Cowboy Bebop. Mm? You have not watched it? I know nothing. You should. It, it, it's I, okay. You guys have told me this last time, too. <laughs> it's I a, still have not seen any Cowboy Bebop. You will thank us. Yeah, it's one of those things that um, it changed, to me at least, and I don't know if Giancarlo would agree with me, um, it, it actually changed anime. Um, oh, yeah. You know, anime was not the same after. And to me, this is one of those that changed the ball game for everybody that came after. Mm-hmm. Because I remember prior to this... And Cowboy Bebop was for 1999, if I'm not mistaken, right? I, I, I have to look it up. But what I was going to say is, um, every anime that I watched prior to this, at various degrees, mm-hmm. you know, some were better than others, the reason at that point why I always picked spoken in Japanese is because the English dub or the, crap. the translation, the actors they got at that point were horrible. Yeah. So you did not feel the emotions and the entire story was crap. Mm-hmm. So I, at that point, I, you know, rather just read the English and hear the emotion. And then when this came out, I was, I remember I had reservations Mm -hmm. i was like you know what i'm gonna i should really watch this in japanese but i have some people that watch they started watching it it's like man you have to watch it in english too i mean it's good in japanese but you have to watch it in english and when i watch it i was just like whoa Mm -hmm. even in spanish it wasn't bad the music did everything about it it's just like whoa and and after that it just basically changed the 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 genre altogether. Yep. So everybody after that had to play catch up. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's just one of those things that if you can just pick up the first episode, see, I mean, you either like it or hate it. I, I it to me, it was just, it's just amazing. It's it completely is. amazing. 
I will have to do that and send you a message. Awesome. Let me know when you're watching it. We can watch it together. It's a date, Daniel. Nice. <laughs> she keeps on calling me Daniel. <laughs> the hair is the hair. <laughs> awesome. So, um, Nikki, again, thank you so much yes. for coming. Um, we have amazing time every time we get together. Oh. And it is apparent from this episode that is going to be probably our longest episode yet. Yeah. Is, yes. And it won't be our last with you. No. Oh, I, I wish I did an interview uh, show and I would have you guys on, but it's not, as we all know. So it's a bit different. Yeah, no. I, I, we understand. I, I mean, when you get boy distortion and stuff, then I can do it. <laughs> oh, 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 you want me to extort you? Yeah. No, no, destroy me? No, no, no. <laughs> I say voice distortion so, like, that way you can stay anonymous. <laughs> uh, so, you want to tell start... your stories, huh? Yeah. Well, nobody knows it's me. Sound, the next one that's all male, I'm just going to say John Carlos, John Carlos, John Carlos, and sign oh, no. Carlos. <laughs> All right, I'll, 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 I'll get to work you. on changing my name. <laughs> Shout out to John Carlos. <laughs> so uh, I'm sure that the, the people already remember you from, from your episode on Barbarella. But, you know, for all of you who, for, for all of the listeners who actually picked up and have not listened to Barbarella, tell them a little bit about your show and where they can find you. Um, you can find me with In Bed with Nikki. And it's completely different than what we're doing here. Um, it's a lot spicier. It is not safe for work. And please be over 18 years old. But basically, I read emails that I receive from my listeners where they share sexual encounters from their past. Um, every week on Wednesday, you can find me on Spotify, um, Apple iTunes. You can also find me on Full Swap Radio. I don't have a time slot yet, so that's still open, but roundabout, you can find me in there somewhere. And of course, you can always find me occasionally coming on and flirting with these two nice, sexy gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, we, again, we really appreciate you coming uh, into our show, and this is not the last invitation. Yeah. <laughs> I hope not. I have a blast. When I get to step out of my, my zone, and uh, I shouldn't say comfort zone, but when I get to show a little more of myself, it's always fun. Awesome. 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 Well, next time, John Carlos, when I'm in Florida, we'll have to have a drink. All right. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Well, this is the end of our show for now. Please let us know. If you like this episode and let us know if you have any idea about which topics you would like us to discuss in our next episodes. Remember, you can follow us on Twitter at Sci-Fi Remnant. And if you like this podcast, share it. And don't forget to rate us in your favorite podcast platform. This will help us grow. Thank you. See you next time. This is Science Fiction Remnant signing off. <laughs>